Do you hear that? Hear what? don't pay attention, they go away. The field doesn't move dead things. It makes them easier to find. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Not A Final Girl podcast. Why? Because we always die first. We being Janet and I. Janet, say hello. Hello everybody. This has been clearly evident in recent recent weeks when we've been playing Dead by Daylight. Uh, I always die first. <laughs> <laughs> You, you, it's Steve, okay? <laughs> well, Steve. sometimes, sometimes Steve lasts a while, so I can't solely blame Steve. I feel like it's my playing. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so I know it's been a couple of weeks. We've been having some technical difficulties. Um, it's supposed to be Janet's week, but we wanted to try something different. and wanted to try something new, so we skipped my week and went with Rose. Um, I will be doing the ritual next week. However, this week we're going to go ahead and go with In the Tall Grass, which Rose has watched for us. Correct. So I'm going to recount In the Tall Grass. Janet has not seen it. It is a doozy. It's going to be a wild ass trip. I'm excited for it. First, though, what did you think of Hell House? Oh, man. Listen, Hell House was definitely an interesting movie. It made it slightly scarier when I was noticing some stuff towards the end of the movie that Rose did not. Um, there were several scenes where Paul was chilling in the background with this creepy-ass smile on his face. And then we also saw Alex in the background in one of the shots where Diane and her cameraman were going through the, the house. So I was honestly pretty proud of myself because I was noticing stuff that she didn't notice. And that doesn't happen very often. So props to me. I felt like I just blanked the fuck out after I decided <laughs> it wasn't scary. <laughs> I just stopped looking for things. That's understandable. I mean, once you think a movie's not scary, what what else could pop up that's going to scare you? So why yeah. do you look for it, you know? Plus, everything had been either so obvious or so unobvious that I just started missing the, like, right middle ground things. Yeah, the the movie, and I, I agree with Rose on this one, the movie would have done so much better if it was either a documentary or a found footage film. Honestly, probably would have been better as a found footage, but besides the point, um, I'd probably give it a solid, what, 5 out of 10, I think. It wasn't yeah. great, it wasn't bad, it was in the middle. Yeah, like I said, like it's not a, a scary movie, it's not a great movie, but it's definitely one that I always enjoy rewatching because it's just interesting to watch. Oh yeah, that's for sure. So, alright, sounds good. Um, I think that's that's all the business, so... Let's jump into it. So, uh, as we said before, I covered Netflix's original In the Tall Grass. It is a 2019 Canadian supernatural horror drama based on Stephen King and Joe Hill's 2012 novella of the same name. All of the scenes were shot specifically in Ontario, which is kind of cool to know. Hmm. It is directed and the screenplay was written by Vincenzo Natalie. Um, I was unable to find a budget since it's considered a Netflix original and I couldn't find how much they bought the rights to hmm. make the movie for. So Interesting. 
And since it was, you know, straight to video on demand, straight to Netflix, it doesn't have a box office either. So, uh, right, it, of course, we're lost on the financials here. <laughs> <laughs> have no clue. Yeah, we actually have a pretty small cast considering the depth of this movie. We have Becky, who is played by Laisla de Oliveira, Cal, who is played by Avery Witted, Ross, who is played by Patrick Wilson. Um, it was actually, fun fact, supposed to be James Marsden, um, but he actually left to go do Sonic. Oh. <laughs> so he, he left to go do Sonic, and Patrick Wilson became Ross, but it's, it's really funny because I, don't, I can't imagine James Marsden in this part. I've seen him in serious roles, but right. and we learn throughout the movie, Ross technically becomes the villain of the movie. Oh, no. And I cannot see James Marsden being a villain of a movie. I'm going to be honest with y'all. I'm so bad with names and faces, so I have no idea who she's talking about. <laughs> 27 Dresses. The love interest in 27 Dresses. Oh, that guy. Yeah, no. Yes. I don't see that either. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. So... And also, for those of you who don't know, Patrick Wilson is actually known for his horror movies because he plays Ed from Ed and Lorraine in the Conjuring series. I love those movies. They're so good. Mm -hmm. We have Tobin, who's played by Will Buey Jr. Natalie, who's played by Rachel Wilson, which funnily enough, they're not related. They just happen to have the same last name. <laughs> and then Travis is played by Harrison Gilbertson. Um, I did find that it did win a couple of awards in the Directors Guild of Canada 2020. Oh, nice. It won Outstanding Achievement in Sound Editing and Outstanding Directorial Achievement, which I 100% agree with. They they really get you with the sound editing. Uh, it plays integral roles in the movie. And the cinematography and director is beautiful. Like, I love it. So, of course... What is the trend? This movie has horrific ratings, and I love it so much. <laughs> <laughs> horrific ratings. Oh, no. It's, it's what happens. The ones that have higher ratings, I fucking hate them. And then the one that has shitty ratings, I love them. But it's not even a I don't think it's a bad movie. I genuinely really like this movie. And every time I watch it, it gives me chills. Even though I know what's going to happen, it freaks me out. Yeah, see, sometimes that's why I don't understand the critic reviews and stuff like that, because how do you, I like, because I agree with you. I see a lot of movies where they're bad reviews, and I'm like, those are good movies. I'm confused yeah. on why it was a bad review, you know? Yeah, exactly. So Rotten Tomatoes, Rotten Tomatoes critics gave it a 36%, and audience gave it a 33%. Damn. I know. It's a 5.4 out of 10 on IMDb. And then Letterboxd gave it a 2.5 out of 5. Damn. And I was hurt because I actually really like this movie. <laughs> so I'm going to give trigger warnings real fast and then I'll have Janet make some uh, guesses based on the trailer. So trigger warnings. Murder. Child slash infant death. Yeah, big one. Quality. Ooh. Harm to pregnant woman. Occult imagery, technically cannibalism, and animal death. So mm. we got some biggies. If you're not okay with those things, do not watch this movie. Do not listen. 
We'll see you another time. Because they... Adios. They pay big, big parts in this movie. This will be fun. So now hearing the trigger warnings and having seen the trailer, what do you think's going to happen, Janet? Um, well... I'm honestly not sure, like, how it all happens. Obviously, a lot of people die, and this field of tall grass is very interesting. Like, time disappears in this field of tall grass, so, like, I'm kind of confused on how that happens, because there's a lot of different things that have been, like, throughout the horror movie franchise and thing, or not, like, franchise, but genre that show different things like that, where something is, like, makes you get lost in time and stuff like that, and so... I don't know. I think it's just a big group of people that get lost in the grass and have no way of getting out. And because they got lost, they're dragging more and more and more and more people into it. It's pretty it's pretty good guesses. Um some of it's on, some of it is whew. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, we're going to go ahead and get into it. So, interestingly, the First shot of the movie is just a top-down drone shot of the, like, field. Mm-hmm. You can see that it's very densely packed. And then you, like, see kind of the grass move in, like, a wave almost. Mm-hmm. And you, as we zoom in on the grass, we hear rumbling, chanting, screams, screeches, a crescendo of, like, moans and just eerie background noise as the grass moves and it almost looks like the ground underneath is moving with it like it's really Mm. that's the first shot of the fucking movie and you're like okay don't like that (laughs) no thank you so then we cut to a lone highway with a single minivan racing downwards there's literally nothing but fields and like cloudy blue sky as far as the eye can see uh we see then pass one, like, abandoned, decrepit, falling apart bowling alley that's mm-hmm. out of fucking nowhere. And then we see that the passenger is this pregnant woman. And she is literally disgustingly side-eyeing the man sitting next to her as he <laughs> very noisily and disgustly slurps down a burger. Ew. That's gross. Yeah. It's ew. You got misophonia. Watch out for that. That's nasty. <laughs> oh, God. This will be fun. (laughs) The pregnant woman says that she's nauseous, so he pulls over and she pukes on the side of the road. So, like, same, because it's fucking nasty. (laughs) For real, though. They have some, like, unimportant dialogue where he's like, she's like, uh, shouldn't I be over morning sickness by now? And he was like, well, pregnant women's bodies are all different. She was like, what the fuck do you know about women's bodies? And he was like, not enough. You're like, okay. (laughs) Not enough. Like perfect response, yeah. buddy. Perfect response. Yeah. You honestly can't tell what their relationship is, is at first, and you kind of assume that they're a couple. The trailer makes it look like they're a couple. Yeah. We do find out they're actually brother and sister. Still doesn't make sense. It gets called out later. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about it. It's fine. <laughs> Alright. Alright, I trust you. <laughs> so... We learn that they're on their way to San Diego and that they're about halfway there. And she says that she's thinking about going back, but she doesn't know for sure. She mentions, like, dad, like, dad's going to think I'm dumb. And he's like, basically how we learn that they're brother and sister. He's just like, don't be concerned about mom and dad, as in both. Oh, like, uh, yeah, I see what you're that's, saying. They, since they, yeah, they, like, couple it together. So mm-hmm. obviously they're both of their parents. He's like, yeah. 
don't worry about mom and dad. Don't worry about me. Don't worry about the baby. Like, only care about you. True. I mean. So they're about to start driving off again and they start hearing a little a little boy yelling from the grass, help me, help me. Like, I'm lost. I've been stuck in here for days. I can't oh. get out. Come help me. Uh, mistake number one. <laughs> right. Mistake number one is stopping. Well, well, she needed to throw up. Outside of that. That's fair. But I understand it's a child in danger. Call the authorities. Don't wander into a fucking field. True. Especially because you're not prepared for that. No, especially not. Like, you're just driving down the road. You're not prepared to, like, go searching for somebody. What? Yeah. And the grass is, like, seven and a half, seven feet tall. Like, it's taller than anybody who walks through there. Man, it's taller than me. I'm pretty tall, bro. Yeah. No, it's it's tall. Jesus. <laughs> There's a reason it's called tall grass, not just grass. <laughs> well, I mean, I know, but, like, I'm still considered tall, too, so, like... I know. <laughs> so, obviously, the pregnant woman is Becky. She's mm. a thin woman of color. She's very pretty, like, medium-length brown hair with highlights and a sky-blue dress with white chucks. Mm-hmm. Her brother is about the same size as her. He He's portrayed very dorky. He has, like, these thick, dorky glasses with, like, a polo and cargo shorts and blue tennis shoes. And mm. that, we learn, is Cal. So, this is Becky and Cal, and they are brother and sister. Um, So... She, they hear the child screaming for help and they're obviously like, oh, well, he sounds like he's in trouble. We need to help him. So Cal pulls their van off into the church parking lot because there's also this random abandoned church. Hmm. Yes. That's right there. No reason why. (laughs) It's just there. The church parking lot also has a weird amount of cars and yet seemingly no one around. That's, that's not alarming at all. We're just going to ignore that. Yeah, no one calls it into question. Okay, yeah. I call it into question. I was like, that seems like something you should just fucking ignore. Yeah, sounds good. (laughs) And, like, I mention it later on, but, like, some of the cars are decades old. Right. Like, clearly from, like, the 50s and 60s. Oh, my gosh. And still just... Just nothing. Just bypassing. Nothing. Cool. Fine, I guess. Must have something to do with the church, then. Yeah, so she starts calling out for the kid who responds again like he's been stuck in there for days and he needs help to come help him. And then suddenly a different woman who also seems to be in the grass calls the kid Tobin and tells him to stop calling out for help. And from the way she addresses him, like she calls him like honey and stuff like that, we assume that's probably his mom. Right. But we don't hear like anything else from her. And Becky, of course, is like, what the fuck? Why does this woman not want help for her son? Excuse me? Mm, like, right. that immediately freaks her out. I mean, that would freak me out, too, if you're, like, sitting there thinking about it. Yeah, it's fair. Cal is, like, super confused because the kid sounds like he's literally, like, 15 feet away from them. Just, like, right. barely in the grass. So he's like, what do you mean you can't find the road? What do you mean you can't see us? Like, you're just right there. Mm. So he just surges in blindly into the grass and is like... Captain Cal to the rescue. Like, uh, shut of the course. fuck up, Cal. <laughs> <laughs> Becky follows in after him dialing emergency services on her phone. She does hesitate before stepping in. And we see pretty much from the beginning that Becky can kind of sense something's off with the grass. She doesn't know what's happening, but she can sense it more than anybody else. that There's something off going on. Mm. 
So Cal confirms that the boy's name is Tobin and Becky's call goes through, but then quickly turns to static and then disconnects. The only thing she was really able to tell the operator is that they are, they don't know what town they're near, but they're off of Route 400. Hmm. So that's basically the gist, just, that's all we get. And then the phone cuts off. Suddenly Becky realizes that she's lost sight of Cal in the grass. And so she begins calling out and searching for him. And like, they keep shit. So like the grass is so densely packed, you can't like see between it. Right. So whenever we shift to another person, it basically pan shifts through the grass to get to the other person. It's like really cool cinematography. Mm -hmm. So like we pan like, from Becky through layers of grass to Cal. Right. And we realistically see that they're only a couple rows away from each other. So they mm. should realistically be able to find each other. Right. She says that she lost emergency services, and Cal says that he left his phone and glasses in the car. Smart move. Bro, bro if you were... Listen, the both of us wear glasses. <laughs> Why the fuck would you leave that shit somewhere? Never. I would never. never take I could. Off my I would glasses. be able to see. No. <laughs> like I'd be. I'd literally be blind as fuck. Wouldn't be able to see shit. Like no. Dude, why I would, would never, you fucking leave that? Never go searching for something without my fucking glasses. Are you crazy? <laughs> yeah, for real. Like you're gonna go look for something. How are you gonna see? You can't see. How are you gonna look? Yeah. The fuck. Cal is not a smart man. <laughs> I feel bad for Becky, damn. <laughs> I know, right? Like he's he's like the brother and he's supposed to be like protecting her and shit. Right. And he's a he's a dumb motherfucker. <laughs> he sounds dumb as fuck. Like I said, I would never. Like that's nope. some shit. I broke my I broke my glasses. I broke one of the arms off my glasses. You bet your ass I wore that shit without an arm. <laughs> I needed to see. <laughs> Amazing. So we hear Tobin continuing to call for Cal, but it's like really clear that his voice is kind of jumping around Cal, almost like he's running in circles around Cal. Mm -hmm. And so Cal tells Tobin to stop moving so that he can find him. And then Becky and Cal start trying to reunite with each other because they can't find each other now either. She basically tells him to like follow her voice and she doesn't know what to say. So she starts saying a very dirty limerick. Oh, no. (laughs) <laughs> and it's like there once was a man named McSweeney who spilled gin on his weenie oh, and like <laughs> shit oh like gosh. that you couldn't think of like a nursery rhyme or something I mean you're <laughs> pregnant right <laughs> damn no, <laughs> no. <laughs> so Toby's still calling for help and now Cal suddenly realized that Becky's voice is also moving sporadically like Tobin's oh Toby and Tobin are the same person because Ross does call Tobin Toby Okay. And so they're kind of interchangeable. So it's interchangeable. Okay. I yeah. got you. So Toby is Tobin. They're interchangeable. Just so you know, in my head, I like already interchanged them. So we're good. Okay, cool. I was <laughs> just making sure because I realized I wrote Toby and I didn't know if I said Toby. So I was just like, I right. know uh, you're good. So he, so Cal thinks that he overshoots Becky and he's like, stop, stop. I overshot you just for her to say like, stop fucking around Cal and appear like directly to his right almost like she's standing like her voice sounds like she's standing next to him on his right saying stop fucking around that's so weird right and he's like super confused because he just thought he shot past her so he's like what the fuck so he calls her name again only to have her respond from a distance to his left you know 
so I was thinking about it while you're talking about this. Grass, like you are able to make like music with grass. So I'm wondering mm-hmm. if like the the thought process in it is like the way that grass is. It's so dense that it can reverberate the sound and make it come from a different area because it bounces off of each other. That is a good theory. That's not what's happening, but I appreciate it. (laughs) (laughs) She said, no, but good try. (laughs) No, like, that's a very valuable, like, like, that could totally be the explanation. It's just not what's happening in this situation. (laughs) So Becky says, like, okay, you know, we both keep sounding like we're running away from each other. That's not working. Let's switch to something visual. So... They decide that they're going to jump up with their hands raised to try and spot each other in the grass. You're going to make a pregnant woman jump? She's the one that suggests it. Ah, uh, I mean, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, so she talks about them jumping and Becky, you know, is now starting to understand that Cal's voice is changing location and is yelling at him to stop moving. Keep in mind, neither of them have moved. Their oh, yeah. entire interaction. They've been staying so their voices spot. are changing, but they're not moving. Interesting. So and Cal kind of brings up what you did. He's like, "Are you even able to jump?" And she's like, "Yes, well, yes, I can." He's like, "Okay." So they both jump. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> so they both jump, and you can see they're like five rows of grass, basically between right. them, like pretty close compared to how they were sounding. So. Becky's relieved. She's like, okay, you're close. So they want to jump again to try and exactly pinpoint each other's location. So they jump again, only for Cal to suddenly be a football field apart. Whoa. And they didn't move. They just jumped. Right. So he was like five rows away. Now he's an entire football field away. What the fuck? So. What? (laughs) So basically... They're literally practically right next to each other, and then less than 30 seconds later, they have somehow magically shifted to, like, yards away from each other. Um, it's for sure has something to do with that church, dude. Something happened yeah. in that church, and it <laughs> fucked with everything around it, and now this grass is like, <laughs> fuck you and your people. Fuck this. <laughs> Y'all are all dead. <laughs> Amazing. Never found her again. <laughs> So at the end of the jump, Becky, like, falls to the ground, and she's clutching her stomach, and she's, like, an obvious pain. And um, if you listen closely, you can hear, like, whispers and shit in the background. Mm -hmm. This is what they mean by the sound audio. Not only does it play a big part, and they're constantly, like, switching where sounds are coming from, there's a lot of, like, whispering and chanting that they use to their advantage, but it's not, like, overtly done. So if you're going to watch it, make sure you're paying attention. Like, yeah. don't have mm-hmm. distractions because there's a lot of auditory cues as well as visual cues. Yeah. Okay, I got you. So Cal basically starts losing his marbles because, like, what the fuck just happened? Right. And he starts sprinting through the grass looking for her. And every time he calls for her, her response, like, again, is, like, jumping from mm-hmm. a different place around him. Right. So he's just going in a nonsensical path through the grass just trying to find her. I mean, essentially, he's just getting more and more lost right which is what the grass intended probably yeah so cal crashes into the mud and then looks to his right and finds a deceased dog oh no who brought a dog in there dude so we'll see so 
it's not yet decomposed, but it is, like, it's, like, stomach is ripped open for some reason. And its guts are laying everywhere. And <laughs> Excuse me, no. Insects ate its eyes. Oh, my God. Yes. Gross. But it's not, like, decomposed. So it technically hasn't been there for very long. Right. And um, it's covered in flies. And it zooms in on the tag on the collar. And it reads Freddy. Freddy, no. I know. It's very obvious that something, like, killed it and tore it open. Right. But we have no idea what. And... That part always gives me shivers. I hate it. I hate dog death. Like, specifically dog death. It bothers the fuck out of me. Yeah. But, luckily, we never actually see Freddy die in this entire movie. He you just ends dead up body. dead. Okay. So, it, it, it doesn't bother me as much. Right. So, yeah. So, Becky straight up is like, alright, fuck the kid. This is about us now. Right. This is about us surviving. Fuck that kid. <laughs> We gotta get out of here. <laughs> yeah, for real though. Like fuck, fuck that kid. You, your mom's in here somewhere. Fuck it. Your mom can find you. Fuck that. Yeah. Bro. Uh-uh. I don't even know why we went here in the first place. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> so we watch it. It it um fast goes through hours and hours of them searching, and now it's heading towards sunset, where it was like noon or earlier before. So they've been here in there for like hours. Hours later. Damn. Becky and Cal are still searching for each other. They're still screaming around for each other. Um, they again, the cinematography is really beautiful in this because they do this shot where they're panning through the grass and they're spiraling. Mm-hmm. And you end up like upside down only to right yourself once you land on Becky in one of the like grass grooves she's walking through. Oh, interesting. It's like, it's, there's a lot of really weird but beautiful cinematography moments in this, and I appreciate it. I think they're gorgeous and interesting, but they are weird sometimes. (laughs) So, Cal tells her, like, stop moving, save your voice, like, I'm gonna find you. And it's pretty obvious that Becky is not doing fantastic. She is covered in sweat, she's breathing hard, her face is, like, unbelievably dirty and gaunt for just being a few hours in there. Right. Damn. She sits down in the mud and she watches as, like, an airplane flies across the sky. So it's becoming very evident that, like, whatever, whoever is in the grass is actually being affected by this, like, warped perception of space and time. But anything outside of the grass is normal. Hmm. Weird. Yeah, right. So it's it's very much centralized to just inside the grass. Yeah. And all of a sudden, Cal starts sounding much, much closer to her, and we hear someone traipsing through the grass. So she thinks that Cal is finding her, and for a millisecond, you're, like, super relieved that they're going to be reunited, and then actually she's face-to-face with- and it feels so good. (laughs) (laughs) Correct. (laughs) But she actually ends up face-to-face with a strange man who just happened to stumble upon her. Seems suspicious. We Don't quickly be learn. Suspicious. Don't be <laughs> suspicious. <laughs> At least Amazing. once an episode. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> we quickly learn that this is Tobin's dad, Ross. And like I said before, he's actually the actor who plays Ed in the Conjuring series. He hmm. looks like a very average white dad with brown hair, white polo, blue jeans, the whole shebang. Hmm. Just like very average, like very much white suburban, suburban dude. Yep. <laughs> He tells Becky that if she wants to get out of there, that he that she needs to come with him. And Becky, who's actually intelligent, is like, if you can get out of here, why the fuck are you still in here? 
Mm, she's asking the good questions. Right? I was I was happily surprised because some people wouldn't ask those questions. They'd just be like, okay, sounds good. I'll follow you. That's some exactly. white people shit, bro. No, you mm-hmm. ask questions. <laughs> so he responds that, like, yeah, he found the road, but his his boy and his wife are still in the lost and he's not going to leave them. Which is plausible. Very plausible. By all technicalities, it's plausible because, like, I wouldn't want to abandon my son and wife in the woods either. Right. Not the woods, but you know what I mean. She doesn't exactly trust him, which is good on her woman instincts. (laughs) (laughs) Tally one up for her. (laughs) Tally one up for her. He does try to rationalize, like, it's dark and they should stay together, but she knows, he knows that she doesn't know him and that's scary, so he says... Russ Humboldt's the name, real estate's the game. He says that they're from Poughkeepsie, that his wife is Natalie and his boy is Tobin. Mm. She decides to trust him, but honestly, does she really have a choice? (laughs) Also true. It's either wander around in the grass forever or... Follow this man who says he can get through it. Right. Like, kindly take the help of this strange man who says, oh yeah, I know what I'm doing. Mm. Yeah. So she asks if they will find her brother, and he says that they'll try, but um, walking through here is not like walking in a straight line. That is repeated multiple times in the movie. That it's not a straight line. You know, have did you ever watch Shang-Chi and the Seven no. Rings? Oh. Well, in that movie, there's a spot, and this isn't critical to the plot or anything, so. But it's fine. Still, spoilers. <laughs> FYI. Um... <laughs> Then in the movie, there's a point where they have to go through this moving bamboo forest. And to get through it, they have to go, they have to stay in this pocket that travels through the forest at specific times and turns and stuff like that. And so they have to go it, go through it very specifically in order to make it through this bamboo forest. So that's it. That's mm. kind of what it reminds me of is that there should be a specific path to go through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what it sounds like. Yeah. So... He tells her to follow closely and whatever she does, like, do not lose line of sight with him, basically. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> so once again, like I said, throughout the movie, they do this cool but, like, seemingly random in-depth shots of grass and, like, stuff still alive in the grass. So mm-hmm. they close up and focus on this, like, insect that's on a leaf and then a toad that's just chilling in the mud. Interesting. I don't... There's no real reason why, but I enjoy them. <laughs> I mean, thank you for it. I don't yeah. really understand the point, but I it sounds good. Nice little yeah. break from horror stories. Exactly. <laughs> so now it's full on nighttime. Like full moon in the sky. It is pitch black. Mm. It's nighttime. Cal is still calling out for Becky, but he's obviously getting like dehydrated and weak. And he right. sits on the ground and starts sobbing because of course. I mean, I, yeah. Yeah. And he says that he's never going to find her. But then suddenly, a very, very dirty, grimy little boy, Tobin, pops up behind him. That's not creepy. I'm good. Man, listen, I watched this trailer and then pops up this picture cover, like cover whatever for the movie. It is the front of this grass field with what she just described, like dirty, nasty, grimy Tobin just standing in it. And he's got his face. He's like peeking out through the grass, dude. Oh my God. It is creepy as fuck. (laughs) You can keep your haunted child bullshit. No. (laughs) So they do try to make it seem like Tobin's going to be like some children of the corn motherfucker. Right. Tobin is like 
the most nice and helpful little boy ever. And it's so sad. (laughs) Oh, no. Uh, But to be fair, before we get to know Tobin, when we're only interacting with grimy little Tobin, it Mm -hmm. is terrifying. Because so he pops up behind Cal and he says, you can find things, but it's easier once once they're dead. And he's literally holding a dead crow in his hands. Well, I'm glad you found a dead crow, but I would prefer to find my alive sister. (laughs) Excuse me. We see that behind the grime, Tovin is this cute little blonde boy that can't be older than like eight. And he's got like the classic like baseball three quarter shirt and shorts. Mm -hmm. Uh, He creepily tells Cal that the the field doesn't move dead things as he buries the crow in the mud. So that's how he finds his way around, maybe? Yeah. So he's basically saying that dead things are like the landmarks in the field because dead things don't move and it's easier to find them. Ah, interesting. Right. I would also like to remind you that Tobin is the one that lured them into the grass. He's the one who is calling out for help. And he said he'd been trapped for a few days, but it's pretty obvious that this Tobin in front of them has been in the grass for, like, two weeks minimum. Right, yeah. Yeah, because I was going to say that the little kid is creepy as fuck. And, like, from the trailer and from everything, like, you would think that he is the villain of the story. And yeah. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> so, I have to say, good on Cal for this part. He immediately is like, Tobin, did you fucking lure us in here on purpose, dog? Right, for real. <laughs> And Toby tells him, no, actually, his family heard a man yelling for help in the grass, and that's how they were lured in. He says that's how it works. Cal asks how long Tobin's been in there, and Tobin says, I'm not sure, but your sister Becky, she's going to die soon. Oh my god. (laughs) How can he tell? Jesus. Thanks for dropping that little nugget on us, Tobin. Damn. Yeah, that's fine. It's it's fine. She's... She's just gonna die soon. No no time frame or anything. <laughs> it's fine. Cal asks, how do you know she's my sister? Which I feel like there are more pertinent questions to ask, but sure. Right. <laughs> and then Tobin very cheerily says, the rock. The rock teaches you to hear the tall grass, and the tall grass knows everything. The tall grass is alive. <laughs> and not just like in the regular sense of grass being alive. No, it's alive. <laughs> So if I hadn't told you that Tobin was actually a very helpful little child, you'd be really fucked up terrified right now, bro. Like, that's... mm, I'm good, dude. I went, good, great, glad. No, super glad you can hear the grass. Hoo, boy. Cool, 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 cool. Again, I really gotta give it to Cal for keeping his shit together, because instead of losing his mind over what the fuck this literal child just told him, he leans into the information. He's like, oh then you must know where Becky is. And Tobin's like, oh, I'll find out for you. Actually, better, I can show you. You want to see her? You want to check on her? Follow me. Obviously, yeah, I want to check on her the fuck. I said, bro, this, this, like, like, this, this waif of a grungy eight-year-old child who just told you he can hear the grass and your sister is going to die is telling you to follow him and you're like, okay. (laughs) Sounds good. (laughs) I I mean, like, where else is he going to go? He's getting lost by himself. I know, but I was like, I know he's just a kid, but like, so were the children of the corn. <laughs> so. I never watched that movie either. 
it's not it's not that good of a movie it's it's a product of its time but i mean the children literally use scythes and sickles to murder adults damn so i mean adults are assholes (laughs) yeah so we cut back to ross and becky um we learn that she is six months along and he begins reminiscing about when his wife was pregnant and he says those were the quote unquote salad days. Salad days. And to days. enjoy the baby while it lasts. The fuck are salad days? What I bro, I don't know, don't ask me. <laughs> That's what he says though, that they were salad days. Can anyone clarify <laughs> that for us? Because what, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> for real. Uh we learn we learn that the baby daddy isn't in the picture, and Becky really only says that he wasn't ready for it. That's, like, all she says on the subject. Hmm. Interesting. Ross declares family is everything, and then they just, like, continue on. Uh, suddenly, and this seems seemingly important by the way that they react to it, uh, Becky stumbles upon a fanny pack with its contents spilled out in the mud. We see, like, a compact, some medicine, a pair of scissors... But then we also see a chunk of hair lying in the dirt next to everything with blood pooled on top of it. Oh yeah, someone yanked that bitch's hair out. So Becky begins breathing like super heavily because she's obviously freaked the fuck out because what course. the hell? I mean, yeah. Um, this manages to distract her just long enough that she loses sight of Ross and is alone again. Mm, love that. So now she's like, really freaked out and she starts calling out for cal and then she gets jump scared as a bloody looking woman gasping for breath like basically melts out of the grass and surprises becky who screams and then we jesus christ we immediately pan away from them oh my god we're not just not gonna address the fact that the fucking bloody woman fell out of the grass no oh okay cool no we're not because now we're back with cal and tobin oh okay (laughs) sounds good so ignore the judge just F. doesn't matter. <laughs> Skip past that. It's fine. It happened, but it didn't happen. So it's fine. Yeah, correct. <laughs> <laughs> so Tobin leads Cal into this clearing and it's like presumably smack dab in the middle of like this entire field. Hmm. And there is a very big, very ominous looking rock hmm. just chilling there hmm. for no reason. Is this the so-called rock Tobin was talking about? Yes, this is the rock. Oh, okay. It is taller than the grass. It is shaped almost like a shell, like it's pointed at the top. Mm -hmm. And it has carvings and shit all over it. Mm, Love that. Every time we see the rock, it thrums with energy and we hear the light chanting and whispering in the background. Hmm. So obviously... This is not a good thing like Tobin claims it to be. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's very, I said, the music very much matches the tone. Like, something's <laughs> not right. Something, Something's off. <laughs> right. So Tobin touches the rock, and they zoom in to show that, like, all the baby hair on his arms stand straight up. Hmm. So there's some kind of electrical energy running through this rock. Right. That's it's a no from me. <laughs> To know from me, dog. Um, deuces, I'm out. Don't know where I'm going, but I'm out. Yeah. So Tobin goes, that feels good. You should try it, Cal. Does it just like electrify your heart or something? Does it just get you going? Get you ready? I don't know. 
Cal, honey, I think it's time to run away from this demon child that lured you to a terrifying clearing with a terrifying rock that is not from this world and should not be stepped near to, let alone touched. Honestly, though, because, like, (laughs) Jesus, fuck, bro. Get the fuck out of there. Right. So Cal, however, is, um, dumb, as we've discussed, and he gets seemingly enraptured by this rock and begins to move closer to it. As he does, the ominous chanting crescendos in the background. Of course. And as Cal looks at the symbols and carvings etched into the rock, there's like frantic gibberish whispering enveloping him. And the closer he gets to touching the rock, the louder everything becomes. And then there's like wind whipping through the glass, grass and through the clearing. And then suddenly like the moon, which was like hidden behind the rock, just like senses the vibe and comes gliding out from behind the rock like illuminates the scene mm. and i'm like this is some bad juju this, this is bad juju. um i feel like you should immediately turn away i know you don't have your glasses but like bro run <laughs> it's like something's not right something here, is dude. wrong with this situation bro you need to get the fuck out so it's very clear that cal is like entranced or bewitched by this thing and he's like millimeters from his fingers touching the surface when we hear Becky screaming. Mm. And we hear that she's screaming at somebody to get away from her. And we feel like we have to presume it's the bloody woman from earlier. I mean, I would think so. That's the only person she's come into contact with outside of Ross. Right. So then Tobin, this lovely little demon child, <laughs> turns to Cal and goes, Sorry, Cal, it's too late. Bro, what? As we're listening to Becky screaming. Jesus Christ. Uh, Cal just takes off running, because what the fuck? He he needs to save his sister. Hello? (laughs) And Tobin tells him to wait, and that he'll never find her that way. But it's too late. Cal is sprinting through the grass trying to find her. And we, like, pan back up and over the grass as Cal screams for Becky and loud chanting accompanies it. And then Mm. it cuts to black. Of course. Suddenly, it's broad daylight again. Mm. Love that. And we see another, another lone vehicle rolling down that deserted highway Mm. with nothing but fields and clouds. This time, it is a beat up old Ford truck. And it pulls into an auto service slash gas pump, probably like the only one in a hundred plus miles. Right. Uh, we see a new man. We don't know this man's. He <laughs> is very country white man looking with the trucker hat, the white undershirt, the blue open blue flannel, flannel jeans, work boots, the greasy medium hair. Yep. Like all of it. You know yep. exactly who I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. He's got like the stubble beard and mustache combo. He's smoking a ciggy. Of course. Literally looks like every white dude I knew in Tennessee. Oh my god, yes, bro. <laughs> Jesus Christ. The amount of those guys I saw at the place I worked at out there. Oh my god. Yeah. Like, literally one of those people where I feel like I know him, but when I look him up, I've never seen this man before in my life, but he looks right. so much like every other man I've seen <laughs> in my life. Uh, for real. So... And it's not it's not a better watch out situation where I actually do know the actor and I like the actor and I was just insulting him. I've never seen this man in anything else. <laughs> a woman comes out of the station and makes him put out a ciggy and he holds up a photo of Becky and Cal and says he's trying to find them. Have you seen them? Mm. So we immediately cut back to he's just going back down the road again 
and he has that picture up in his visor, but it's only showing Becky. I mean, obviously. So we have a pretty good guess that this is probably the baby daddy Mm. following Becky and Cal up to San Diego. Mm. We see him pass by that decrepit bowling alley, and as he's passing the abandoned church, he takes notice of the weird amount of cars just, like, chilling, abandoned in the parking lot. Oh, so he noticed it. Good. Yeah, but he stops when he recognizes the van that Cal and Becky were driving. Ah, okay. But the van is looking rough. It is dirty. It is dusty. It looks like it hasn't been touched in months. Damn. So we finally are shown a weathered wooden sign outside of the church that reads, The Church of the Black Rock of the Redeemer. Hmm. That's a little concerning. The rock. (laughs) (laughs) So it's interesting that it's called the Black Rock of the Redeemer because... Later on, when Ross comes out as the bad guy, his whole shtick is trying to force everyone to touch the rock for redemption. Mm -hmm. So the rock is obviously the center of some kind of religion that this church was connected to. Right. Um, But also it's wordy as fuck and it sounds wrong. So, (laughs) I mean, the church of the black rock of the redeemer. That's a lot. Yeah, that's just a lot of words. (laughs) It's a lot of... Religions are, it's, they're small words. One word, religions. One so, word. <laughs> so, so limit it down there, friend. <laughs> Redeemer rock. Done. <laughs> Perfect. It's even, there's even alliteration. It's great. So, <laughs> so now we get a glimpse of those other vehicles that are in the parking lot. And if they all belong to people who were lured into the grass, then this Shit has literally been going back since at least the 50s, based on wear and tear and model of some of these vehicles. True. There's also a, like, line of newer minivan models, too. One we know belongs to Cal and Becky, and one we assume probably belonged to Tobin and his family. Right. And if the state of the van was not a telltale enough sign for the amount of time that's passed, the horrifically rotten and maggot-infested burger on the passenger seat does clue you in. Mm, love that. So it's been long enough that the burger that Cal was slurping down is completely rotted, maggot-infested, disgusting. Mm. So, tra- oh, I can't say his name. We don't know his name yet. <laughs> the man. <laughs> the man. Begins to call out for Becky while staring into the grass across the road. He confirms real quick that there's, like, nobody chilling in this dilapidated church. But he does find at the, like... So, it, it, the inside the church is, like, pretty nice considering it's abandoned. There's... All the pews are still there. It's not super grimy. It's not super disgusting. Mm-hmm. And then there's just a giant door that's locked. <laughs> There's, like, nothing else but the pews and then this (sighs) locked giant door. It's just... just Don't go through the door. Just leave it. Well, it's locked, so he can't go through the door. I mean, but you know white people. They figure out a way. Right. So he he does try the door, but it's locked. And we see that all of the stained glass are these, like, yellow, blues, and greens that are, like, kind of striped together. And it gives just really eerie like dark lighting to the church Mm -hmm. and to me i don't feel like there's a discernible pattern but imdb trivia states that the stained glass is supposed to represent the blades of grass they're supposed to look grassy Mm. basically oh okay 
So this dude lights another ciggy before he spots the Jane Eyre, the Jane Eyre novel that was still on the side of the road where Becky left it after hurling. Right. And it even has her name written in the corner. Mm. And so he like stares into the grass and seems to recognize like something's wrong about this situation, but he heads into the grass to go find her. Of course. Right. Luckily, this man's is much more prepared than the others. <laughs> As we see that he has a backpack with supplies and even water. Ah, perfect. Congrats on this man. He might actually make it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I said he also must have some sign- some kind of survivalist or like Boy Scout training because when he realizes he'll never be able to completely discern like what direction he's already gone, he attempts to leave himself clues by twisting the grass stalks into knots. Oh. As, like, a way of knowing he went in that direction. Um, the grass, however, says fuck you and fixes itself. Mm, of course. So, <laughs> it just doesn't even matter. Like, it literally just comes undone and acts like it was never touched. Oh, we love it. It just unknots itself and continues living on. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, <laughs> then we see another random insect that gets eaten by a crow and they, like, zoom in on its eyeball and, like, you know that this crow must be important to be honest it kind of looks like the dead one tobin had but like that doesn't make sense since this is seemingly months after becky and cal got lost right and i was like maybe it's a more important different crow maybe i don't know so he continues searching and periodically calling out for becky like once again he must have some kind of survivalist something because he started by following the sun Right. He made sure the sun was always ahead of him, and he was following that path. But then he looks down at the ground, looks back up, and the sun is no longer in front of him, but behind him. Interesting. And he's like, what the fuck? Right. Because he knows for a fact he was following that sun. Mm. So now we quick cut to nightfall. That full moon is out again, baby. We, this man finds himself like a mini little clearing to rest up for the time being. He's like, he pulls out the picture of Becky and he's like staring at it. And then suddenly there's rustling in the grass near him. And he's like, oh, fuck. Well, I mean, so yeah. he to- he goes towards the part of the grass where that was like rustling. And he kind of looks through and he doesn't see anything. Only to turn around and be face to face with grimy little Tobin. Of course. Of course. Uh, he freaks out, of course, because why the fuck is there the fucking children of the corn bitch in this grass field? Right, yeah, Jesus. Because at this point, this man has not heard anybody in the grass. True. He was not lured in there by shouts of help. He went in there because he was pretty sure Becky's in there. Right. But this is his first sign of anyone else actually being in the grass. Hmm. So he asks, like, who the fuck are you? And creepy little Tobin responds, shh, do you hear that? No. And the man's obviously hears, like, nothing but the rustling of the grass. But in Tobin's perspective, he hears overlapping laughter and whispering traveling through the wind with the grass. Children are fucking creepy, dude. I hate kids. (laughs) Tobin states that what we are hearing is everyone else. Hmm. Love it. Great. Quality. <laughs> so I don't glad. know if I want everyone else to be here, sir. <laughs> well, well, Tobin says if you stop paying attention to the people stuck in here, they disappear. But these people aren't connected to them, meaning Tobin and this guy. So it doesn't matter. Mm. 
And this man is like, we're, we're connected. I don't fucking know you. Right. <laughs> and we learn that this man is Travis and which Tobin already knew because they've apparently met before. Like Travis literally goes to say, my name is Travis and Tobin interrupts him and is like, yeah, Travis, I know you're here looking for Becky. I know you. He's like, he's like, what do you mean? We've never met. Right, yeah. So even though Tobin was in the grass before Travis even knew Becky and Cal were missing, Tobin knows Travis. That's so weird. Right. So Travis learns that Tobin knows that Travis is searching for Becky and can't un- and Tobin seems confused on why Travis doesn't remember them meeting. Right. So, like, unable to really absorb this information because it's a lot, Travis asks Tobin if he knows where Becky is. And Tobin clearly knows, but is obviously, like, super uneasy about it and is, like, kind of looking away and not wanting to say anything, which Travis is like, dude, you gotta tell me. And he's right. like, he literally grabs Tobin's shoulders and, like, starts shaking him. Shaking child syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> and Tobin's like, I can show you, but, like, are you sure you want to see her? Tobin, you said that to, to Cal. You said you could show her to Cal, and you didn't. Yeah. So I think we've come to learn that anytime Tobin says, I can show you, good things are not in our future. No. <laughs> definitely not. Don't. Why are we trusting Tobin? He's a. F- why are we trusting a child? <laughs> Can't even make decisions for himself. Why are we trusting a child? Right. So. Tobin, like, asked Travis, are you really sure you want to see her? And Travis, of course, is like, of course. Like, what? But then, like, he backs off a little bit because he realized, like, he's basically assaulting this child. (laughs) Right. And he's like, please, just please show me where she is. We get another, but you gotta stay close line. You know, like, follow me, but you gotta stay close. Because I think by now we realize that if you're alive, it only takes a blink for the field to just fucking transport you somewhere else. Right. Like, we're seeing this live action at this point. For real. So we see Travis and Tobin sprinting through the grass, accompanied by, like, a wolf howling and tribal flutes. Uh, no. What? Where? <laughs> Excuse me, what? There's a wolf in here? <laughs> Try again! There's, there's stuff other than insects and shit in here? What the fuck? Yeah. Tobin stops suddenly and looks to the side before simply saying there. So Travis runs off screen and we just zoom in on Tobin's face as we hear Travis throw up and then start sobbing. Oh no. And I think it's pretty obvious that we just found Becky's dead body. Right. It suddenly then does cut to Travis sobbing over a very emaciated and decomposing but still altogether Becky lying perfectly as if she was asleep. Tobin comes on back with his classic one-liner of the field doesn't move dead things. It makes it easier to find. Jesus. Thanks, kid. Real comforting that one. Yeah, for real, though. Damn, bro. Uh, Travis is like, what the fuck? But then he looks up and realizes Tobin is just gone. Just peace the fuck out. Deuces. Yep. And, uh... Travis is alone now. <laughs> and uh boom, it's daylight again, baby. <laughs> oh, love it. 
And we witness through a zoomed in shot of like dew on one of the blades of grass. They they like show the whole traveling and then it drops into Travis's closed eye. It's another mm. really beautiful shot, but like no reason for it to do that. <laughs> it's <Right>. great. <laughs> Love it. Trying to make it seem like the grass isn't all that harmless, but in reality, it is. Yeah. So Travis wakes up next to Becky's dead ass body. Love it. He just curled up and fell asleep i guess and he pulls a necklace out from her pocket from her like dress pocket uh-huh. and uh back on through the grass we go he found his dead okay so they never clarify this according to imdb travis and becky are wife and husband they're married oh but it is never once mentioned in the movie that they're anything other than like partners right so he found his dead wife, apparently, and then he just keeps on moving. Yeah, that's yep, that's for sure what you do. Now, this is when shit starts to really go trippy and chaotic as hell. <laughs> Ready for this? No, probably not. All of a sudden, Travis hears someone speaking outside the grass. A woman saying they don't know whose car it is and blah, blah, blah. Travis calls out to them. And we hear Natalie say, don't cross the road. And Ross say to Tobin, look out for Freddy. Oh. Ross, Natalie, and Tobin are outside of the grass. Even though grimy Tobin from the beginning is already in the grass and not only lured Becky and Cal in seemingly months ago, but already knew Travis and showed him Becky's dead body. That's so weird. That's right, ladies and gents, we're in a motherfucking time loop, a self-perpetuating time loop. I hate time loops, they're confusing. <laughs> I get so confused through all of it. The tra- the trailer made me confused, that's why I was like, I don't I don't know what's going on with this shit, because like, cause like one part of the trailer specifically enunciates how like, and I, obviously we're gonna get to this part because I know it's in your script, but like, mm-hmm. the, one part of the trailer enunciates how like, Becky's calling out and Travis is already there and Travis is talking to Becky, but clearly in what you're saying, Travis found her dead body before he started talking to her. Mm-hmm. I, it's a time loop. My head's gonna hurt by the end of this. I'm so glad that you said <laughs> that because I said, was the movie already concerning and confusing before? Get ready for some bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> so... Travis continues to call out for help when Tobin answers him, asking if someone is out there. Travis obviously recognizes Tobin, the boy he literally met like 12 hours ago, and reminds him that, hey, it's Travis, and he needs help finding his way out of the grass. (laughs) He's like, hey, it's Travis. You don't remember me now? (laughs) Right, yeah. Actually, completely different kid, technically. like. (laughs) Right, this isn't the kid that's communed with the rock. Yeah. (laughs) So we pan out of the grass to see the beautiful little baby boy Tobin all fresh and scared as hell because why does this man in the grass know my fucking name? I mean, yeah, I'd be kind of terrified too. Like as a child, hello, they say don't talk to strangers. Yeah. How about don't talk to strangers who already know you? (laughs) Right, yeah, for real. (laughs) So Tobin alerts Natalie, his mom, to the fact that there's a man yelling from the grass that knows his name. Now even trippier we get to see the church parking lot again mm-hmm. and we see travis's truck in the lot parked behind a row of cars and we see tobin's family's very clean and new minivan that is that was just parked and no cal and becky van in sight 
Oh, weird. What? So before, when Becky and Cal pulled up, there was their van and the old and dusty family right. van. Yeah. And no truck, no Travis's truck. Right. Now Travis's truck is there, as is the new family van, but not Becky and Cal's. That's trippy as fuck. Because the loop has started over. Mm. We basically landed in the middle of the loop last time, and now we're watching the loop from the beginning. I see. Yeah. So, somehow we are in the past and the future right now, because, uh, like I said, Travis's truck was not fucking there when Becky and Cal showed up, but now it's there and they're not, so. Right. We finally get to see Natalie, the wife, which at this point we have not run into her in the grass, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, we haven't seen Natalie in the grass yet. Um, and we see Ross making a real estate deal on his phone. You know, they're just a normal little family. Right. Uh, we also learn that the soon-to-be-dead Freddy is um, actually their family dog. Oh, love it. So, because Fre- Freddy is with them in the parking lot. Freddy gets loose and runs into the grass. Tobin follows close behind. Natalie yells and gets Ross's attention, who yells, like, don't go in there. It's private property, as if that's your main concern. Right. And then Natalie and Ross walk into the grass, presumably to never leave again. So we get another fantastic camera pan, like, through the grass as we hear Freddy, Tobin, Natalie, and Ross all yelling for each other until it lands back on Travis. Travis suddenly realizes, like, "Mm, something bad is happening and warns Tobin too late to stay outside of the grass. Right. Oh, man. Um, Travis then hears, like, Ross and Natalie yelling, so he then tries to warn Ross as well. But again, too little, too late. They're already in the grass. Ugh. The whole family. That's unfortunate. I know. So another pan zoom back to Ross and Natalie. And also, I realized his polo is actually not white. It's like a rosé color. Like a very, I was going to say, the, the, uh, the, the trailer looked like it was pink. Well, to be fair, the first time we see Ross, he is covered in mud and grimy, so... This is the first time I see his shirt, like, clean. (laughs) Mm, That makes sense. So it is more like a rosé color, but, you know, it's fresh and clean and not covered in mud and God knows what else, so. True. Natalie and Ross are obviously freaked out that this guy seems to know Tobin and them, but they don't know him, obviously. Mm -hmm. Uh, Natalie thinks she hears Tobin run past them. Obviously, we know that's just the field being an asshole. Right. And separates from Ross. So now everyone is lost and alone. Hmm, love that. Hand zoom through the grass, and we hear whispers, and we watch the hours pass by until it's nighttime again. We love the nighttime in horror movies. We love a full moon. Mm, true. <laughs> so now we come across Ross, who's still screaming and searching for Natalie and Toby. He's repeating this fucking real estate mantra to himself to calm himself down. <laughs> he, it's, it's stupid. But then suddenly he gets like, really fucking angry and starts blaming natalie and toby for the entire situation he keeps calling tobin like that fucking kid that fucking kid he doesn't listen blah 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 and then he says like if if your mother was being a real mother and keeping an eye on you then none of this would have fucking happened like damn yeah like tell us how you really feel shit yeah like some real anger issues dude honestly like maybe they aren't such a happy little family after all Maybe the field only takes people it thinks deserve it. I'm not saying Becky and Kyle deserved it, but like... Uh, I'm gonna say no, but Ross says something akin to that later on. Mm. Um, So Ross suddenly stumbles onto the rock. How do you stumble onto it? I thought it was taller than the grass. You can't see it. 
weird. It's taller than the grass, but you cannot see it for some fucking reason. I don't. Okay. So he stumbles into the clearing where the rock is. And again, we hear, like, the energy and whisper pulsating. Right. And Ross is very entranced by this rock. He gets in super close, and we pan into the darkness of the rock until it cuts to black. Okay. Suddenly, we see a very blurry image of, like, grass and sunlight again. We see some overhead shots of the grass, like, moving in waves, but not as if there's wind. Mm -hmm. It literally looks like the grass is almost carrying something. Weird. We hear more whispers, more tribal music, more chanting. We continue to zoom in and out of focus on the grass. Another sudden cut panning over the grass towards the church where Tobin is screaming for help in the background. We have just re-arrived to Becky and Cal pulling over and going into the grass to help Tobin. Interesting. Yes. We're seeing this shot from different camera angles than we did before. One in like the ditch across the street and then one actually from a hole in the stained glass from inside the church and it like focuses on Becky. Mm Mm-hmm. So now we get to see, like, this overhead shot of Cal parking and Becky staring into the grass before we pan over the grass again with Tobin shouting for them to hurry and if they're coming, as he did in the beginning of the movie. But now we're in the grass with Travis again. Which, remember, Travis came in here long after Becky and Cal did and was shown Becky's dead body. Right. But now all of a sudden he's hearing Becky shout that dirty limerick. She was shouting for Cal to come find her. Mm Mm-hmm. And Travis, who is definitely worse for wear at this point, doesn't realize it's Cal and Becky until Cal starts calling for her to keep talking. Right. Then all of a sudden we have Travis calling for Becky and she hears him, which is not how this cycle went before. No, it's not. So now we're we're in the repeat of the cycle, but it's changing. Interesting. Yeah. So Becky and Cal are immediately like, what the fuck? Why are you in the fucking grass, my dude? Like, you should be back home. Right, yeah. And Travis is like, I came looking for you guys. And Becky's like, how the fuck did you get here before us? Right. And Travis is like, I don't know. I don't care. Like, I'm just basically happy you're fucking alive, dude. Right, for real. Um. Suddenly, Tobin begins calling out for Travis because T- Tobin realizes that Travis is the one that called him in there and he's like i know you right (laughs) so he's like travis um but it's not grimy been in here forever tobin it's the new one that's only been in there a few days Hmm. so tobin's lamenting that he just found dead ass freddy with his guts hanging out poor freddy which breaks my heart kids should never be the one to find the dead animal yeah for real poor kid um however heartbreaking it is though travis realizes that they will all be able to find each other using Freddy's dead body as a compass because the field doesn't move dead things. Hmm, I see what you're saying. So he, t- so Travis tells Tobin to keep talking and tells everyone to converge on Tobin, which Cal and Becky were both like, it's, we just tried that, it's not going to work, and Travis is like, I'm pretty sure it's going to work this time. Right. So poor sweet little Tobin, sweet little boy, Starts repeating the dirty limerick Becky was saying. Oh, no. This is why I asked for a nursery rhyme. Damn. <laughs> he doesn't understand at all what he's saying. Oh, poor boy. And he's he literally even asks what the fuck a martini is. No. Oh. And Travis, like, act, plans actually work because they all appear. And Travis is like, the martini is an adult drink. And Becky's like, that's a dirty rhyme. It shouldn't be said by children. And Travis... 
like at first he just sees Becky and he's just so happy that she's alive. Well, I mean, yeah, he just saw her dead body, bro. Right. Like, like, literally, like, saw the dead body, like, like, a day ago. Yeah. And then, but then he seems confused that she's pregnant. Almost. What? Like, he looks at her stomach and just kind of has a weird face. Weird. Right. And then Cal appears and, like, glomps onto Becky because, I mean, duh. They, right. <laughs> like, couldn't find each other. And then Travis repeats this, the line that dead things don't move. Mm-hmm. And Cal's mad. He's like, that makes 0% sense. 0% sense. And Travis is like, name one thing that does, motherfucker. Right. True. What thing has made sense since stepping into the fucking grass? Nothing. Very true. And, and what's interesting, too, right, is that in this cycle, Becky and Cal didn't do the jump thing. Oh. Because they got caught in the middle of the limerick. Right. So this set of Becky and Cal don't know about the moving field quite yet. That's why they're extra right. confused by what Travis is saying. Yeah. So now Becky and Cal start asking the real questions. Like, how the fuck did he show up here? Travis says, I followed you guys down. And Cal's like, you must have been right on our asses. And Travis is like, no, I came after you didn't show up in San Diego. And Cal is like, well, we just left two days ago. And Travis was like, no, this was like two months ago. Damn. Took him this long to go find him? Yeah. Everyone's confused as fuck. I'm confused as fuck. (laughs) The fuck you talking about? Damn. That's fair. Becky begins to feel pain in her stomach again and seemingly is hearing whispers like running through the grass beside her, which is not good because she hasn't even touched the rock. Right. Uh, Becky agrees with Travis that they should probably get a fucking move on. Cal uh, obviously doesn't like Travis and is defiant about anything involving Travis and says there's no point in moving. And Becky says, I don't want to stay here. Someone is watching us. And she's like staring into the grass. Like she tells something is wrong yeah there is something wrong like get the fuck out damn not at this point all mad props are going to travis because he's literally the only one making proper moves to get the fuck out of here <laughs> right yeah for real travis hoists tobin onto his shoulders to ask tobin to look for any kind of landmark that isn't grass tobin then spots the bowling alley ma and they start moving in that direction with tobin still keeping an eye on the building so they're constantly moving in the right direction. Right, and everybody's moving as a group. Yes. Cal is being a butthead. Peruge. And is, like, chiding Travis on not calling for help once he saw their van or making sure people knew to come look for them and blah blah blah. And Travis is like, he, he didn't know what was going to happen. Right. How are you supposed to plan for that shit? You don't right. know what's gonna like, happen with anything. You don't. You, he didn't know what happened to you guys. Right, as like he doesn't know what was going to happen any more than you did, so shut the fuck up. He came more right. prepared than you fuckers did. True. And Becky is obviously seeing a side of Travis that she likes because he's talking about how like no one's going to come no matter what because what can they do? And she's like, well, you came. And he said, yeah, but everyone thought I was crazy to do so. Right. So it's obvious that no one will come looking for them because no. everyone thought he was crazy to do so. Right. So Becky goes to check her phone for signal again, but then the screen goes like pure static and she drops the phone and hunches over in pain. Something Mm. in the grass is obviously affecting the baby for unknown reasons. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. 
So cute little Tobin worriedly asks if uh, we're about to have a baby right now. <laughs> Which is like, we sure as shit don't need that adding to the stress of the situation. Like, no, hold that real. shit in, Becky. <laughs> right, yeah, keep that shit in, bro. But also remember, Becky is only six months pregnant. Right. She shouldn't be giving birth anyway. She shouldn't be. So Becky says, obviously, that she's due in three months. She referring to the baby, not to herself. Uh. And Travis is like, she? Extra leading me to believe that maybe Travis didn't actually know she was pregnant and never was given the chance to be ready for it. Well, or, comma, counter argument, he did know was upset about it and that's why she was going to san diego because do they ever say why they're going down to san diego they do they do actually explain oh, okay. why they're going down to san diego and they do explain why travis is surprised about it okay it does get explained okay never mind then probably the reason i actually like this movie is because a lot of the stuff is actually explained <laughs> <laughs> so cow really truly hates travis Right. And they are not getting along. <laughs> oh, no. Cal really, truly hates that her and Travis are getting along right now because he doesn't like Travis. Mm. And we don't know anything about their relationship at this point. Like, not a single thing. But so far, nothing that Travis has done has led me to believe that he has been abusive or anything. Right. Towards her. So why does Cal hate him so much? Exactly. Like, there's that big mystery. But it does get solved eventually. Oh, okay. Um, Becky then, like, lets Travis feel the baby moving around her stomach and says that she's lively and she's going to name the baby Ginny after her great aunt Virginia. Oh, that's sweet. Yes. Travis is dumb but a cutie because he's like, Ginny. And she's like, what? You don't like that name? He's like, no. It's old school. Like <laughs> old school. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> what a way to describe something old school i know Especially right? a name it's <laughs> like 30 year old man <laughs> oh my gosh suddenly a phone begins to ring oh all of a sudden they got service again yeah becky's phone begins ringing in cal's hand because he picked it up off the ground hmm. they answer it and it's like super staticky but we hear becky's voice that's right becky is currently talking to becky on her own phone weird Phone Becky says, don't let Cal hurt Travis. Don't leave him. Just stay with him or else we're going to keep making the same mistake. So is it a time loop they have to do the right thing to get out of? Seems to be. Okay. But the the Becky that is calling her know, at least seems to know they're in a time loop and making the same mistakes over again. Right. Um, and they do a, a shot of the phone and we see the caller is listed as unknown. Hmm. Love that. And in-person Becky begins shouting for answers to which phone Becky like heaves a sob and screams before the call drops. Oh, love that. So Cal goes, what the hell was that? And Travis goes, it's another reason to keep moving. Like, let's get the fuck out of here. Right. For real though. Like, fuck that. Get the hell out. Yeah. More more panning grass with chants and whispers and tribal music and we zoom into an eyeball because, yep, there's somebody watching this whole thing go down. Of course. We don't know who, but there was an eyeball. Mm. So good. Quality. Okay, this part is, um, 
This is going to go fast, and it's confusing. I'm already confused, dude. I know, what but do you this, mean? this part specifically. All right, okay. I'm going to do my best with it. Okay. But if you have questions, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we see these birds slow-mo flying through the air, and we see the group is slowly moving through the grass. There's no sound. There's just eerie music. Uh-huh. It zooms in on Becky, who's continuing to look worse and worse for wear. And now we can't be sure what's happening right now, but it seems to be furthering our knowledge that the grass wants her, or more specifically, her baby. Right. It's focusing on the elements around her in touch with her. Like, there's flies buzzing around her head. The grass is brushing against her thighs and under her dress. Like, the dew and her sweat are mixing together. It's, like, focusing on her squishing into the mud. Uh Like, it's it's really hyper-focused. All of a sudden, she lets out a distorted scream. And she's clutching her stomach. And she falls to her knee in the mud. And we see a quick glimpse of blood trickling down her thigh. Oh, no. But then the grass is chuckling at her. What? Yeah, so it gets really fucking trippy in this moment with the camera work and everything. So basically, the blood drips off of her thigh and disturbs the birds as the sky swirls with blood. And then we zoom in on a distorted eye with heavy breathing watching Becky, I think, with more distorted screaming. And then we see the baby fetus, like, in the womb, getting wrapped wrapped around by blades of grass. Whoa. <laughs> Becky is seeing blurry glimpses of people, like actual people amongst the grass around her as the trippy blood sky and birds continue to appear. Mm-hmm. We like see the crow that isn't dead yet. We see the ground like breathe. We see carvings on the rock. Becky falls to the ground. There's more grass wrapping around the fetus. Becky blurrily sees Cal and Travis like run over in the normal lighting of the day to check on her, but then it cuts back to the like scary red sky world where we see human men with grass for heads. What the fuck? The grass fully envelops the fetus, and as they're screaming for Becky, Ross appears out of nowhere and begins performing CPR on Becky. Wow. So first Travis sees her dead body, Mm -hmm. and then he gets to watch her die. She's not dead. She seems like she's dead. A lot just happened, but she is not dead. But the grass is trying to get her baby, literally enveloping her baby in the womb. Right. But but the reason I say that this part is confusing is because I don't know how much of it is real. True. I don't know how much of it was just was just Becky's like mind seeing things or how much of it is like actually happening oh interesting so still with me good because we're only halfway through the movie (laughs) oh my gosh (sighs) so ross does cpr and becky wakes up and then ross is now reunited with his son toby like thank god right and ross says all right like we're all gonna get out of here we need to find my wife and like i know i found i found my way to the road but i'm not gonna leave without my son and wife basically right so the same thing that the previous ross said Mm -hmm. like almost exactly so so when they met at the dog it was just travis toby Becky and Cal. It didn't include yes. his parents? No. Ross and Natalie were not there. Oh, uh, see, I was under the impression they were. Okay. No. Mm-mm. Okay, cool. Ross and Natalie were off on their own. So not even together. Way to them. Not even no, no, no. his way to yeah, them. Yeah, because Natalie's still not with them. Right. 
So Ross somehow found his way to them and is repeating the same thing that the previous Ross said. That seems suspicious. I say previous because I we don't know if it's the same Ross, to be right. honest. Well, because the stuff changed any the stuff changed from the first time we saw it as it was. Right. So we have no idea. Hmm. That still yeah. seems suspicious, like saying the it same exact thing because Yeah. Not even Becky and Kyle said the same exact stuff. They did up until Some of the it. point that up Travis up to a point where it was different. Them. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what I'm saying. Is it became different because Travis was there, but he's mm-hmm. still saying the same stuff from the previous time. So that's yes. what's suspicious. Right. So Travis hoists Toby onto his shoulders again, and they search for the building, and now it's gone. Ah, love it. Because as soon as you break your line of sight with fucking anything, it's just gone. Right. We get another nighttime pan shot. Ross is singing a song as he leads them through the field. Uh, <laughs> Ross Ross calls out Travis <laughs> for being, like, the typical lead singer of, like, a four-piece rock band and blah, blah, blah. And, like, mm. So we, we kind of see that, like, Travis is, like, the stereotypical kid who dropped out of high school, like, works part-time and has a rock band and, like, shit like that. So right. now we're kind of seeing maybe why Cal doesn't like Travis as much. Right. Um, How Ross knew anything about Travis at all is a big question mark. <laughs> um, And <laughs> Ross talks about how, like, he was in real estate and he was with his family and they were on vacation and everything was going fine until they ran into Travis, which is technically true because Travis is the one that led them into the field. Right. And Travis is like, I, I tried to warn you. <laughs> and Ross is like, it's okay. It's okay. Like, I'm not mad at you. Fate conspired and brought right. us all together. Right. And then he just randomly throws out that before a family in real estate. He was a guitarist in a gospel band. Ooh, gospel. <laughs> yeah, so, okay. So hardcore. <laughs> now, all of a sudden, we see that Ross has brought them to the rock. Hmm. Love that. Hmm. Immediate thrumming energy and chanting. Right. Uh, they're all like, what the fuck? You said you were leading us out of right. the field, and now we're at a rock. This is not the plan, buddy. This is this is not correct. Cal immediately goes up and starts admiring the carvings on the rock, but he doesn't touch it. He's just admiring. And then Ross starts launching into this speech about how the rock has must have been there before humans existed, basically. He's talking about how they are in the exact center of the contiguous United States and that the rock is the center of the center and the rock is everything weird right and it's terrifying but yeah like, that's i'd be that's yeah like what the fuck <laughs> is he talking about for real so then ross touches the stone and gets that like thrill of energy uh-huh. and he smiles really creepy and at this point i really don't like ross <laughs> no, no thank you you're almost <laughs> worse than the fucking terrifying devil child Right. So, in the middle of him talking about all of this, Becky goes, we didn't come here for fucking history lesson. Like, you right. were supposed to lead us out of the field. What, what What? the fuck is happening? Yeah. And this is when Ross really starts to get creepy. He looks at her and he goes, you need to open your eyes, darling. I have brought you to where to, I have, I have brought you out of the field. You just need to open your eyes. 
And then he tell he tells them that they they all they need to do is touch the stone and everything will become clear. I feel like that's not right. Right. So he's like attempting to bait Cal into touching the stone because all you need to do is touch it and you'll know. You'll know everything I know. You'll know how to get out of the field. You'll know. And Cal is just about to touch it when Natalie suddenly comes running out of the field and yells at him to stop. Yeah, good. Um, here is where I put reunited and it feels <laughs> so good. <laughs> so uh. she hugs on to Toby and mm. um, but she is not excited to see Ross in the slightest. I mean, I wouldn't be either. That man's as creepy as fuck right now. Right. So she tells Ross to like Ross Ross sees her and he's all like, oh my god, my wife I've been looking for you. I'm so glad we're right. back together. And she's like Get the fuck away from me. Back the fuck up, bitch. And she looks at the others and she goes, whatever he said to you it is a lie. He's lying to you. Oh my gosh. And then she freaks out at seeing Becky. Mm-hmm. And she starts being like, no, no, I, I saw you. And Ross is getting more and more creepy by the second. He's like, you saw her what? Say it. Spit it out. And she's like, I saw her dead. I saw her dead body. Oh my gosh. And then she looks at Ross and she starts crying and she's like, and you tried to hurt me. Damn. Right. Ross, again, is continuing to just be very creepy and scary. Like, he's like grinning and he's just, he, he's like losing the persona of being the like real estate dad. Mm. and turning into this like rock fanatic and it's horrifying well after after natalie says that becky sees like another grass vision of the like grass people but then she also sees ross like in the middle of the grass like almost possessed and his eyes are like whited out like blink and she immediately is like I'd like to leave now. <laughs> I'm done. I'm good. I'm out. Please. I would like off the ride. I did not agree to this. Correct. She looks at Travis and is like, I want to go. Let's go. Let's get out of here. So <laughs> Travis is like, thanks for all the help, Ross, but we're going to head out. <laughs> yeah, for real. Um, You hang out with your rock. I'm going to I'm gonna figure it out myself. Thanks. Yeah. So Ross is going into like another monologue. He's he he's telling everyone that they need to touch the rock, that we're all here because we got stuff to work out. And all the rock is asking for is a little bit of faith and for you to touch it. That's all it wants. I feel like that's not true, friend. <laughs> I it's a lot. <laughs> um In the most terrifying thing ever, Travis tells Ross that he thinks he should let Natalie go because he he looked at Natalie and Tobin and was like, do you want to come with us? And they were going to go with them. And then Mm. Ross stopped him and started doing that monologue. Mm. And Ross then looks Travis dead in the eye and says, or what? And then all of the grass goes stock still and pure silence, like sensory deprivation levels of silence. That what? Jesus. After he says, or what, everything just stops. And it is terrifying. Yeah, for real. And 
Ross says, it is better to open up your heart on your own to the rock like I did. I've been playing it easy, but I can play hard with you. But it's better if you go easy. I'm good. I I want to leave now, thanks. Like, I'm, oh, no. Yeah. yeah. We we don't like Ross in this mm. moment. <laughs> That's terrifying as fuck, dude. Right. So then he turns to his wife and says he doesn't know how she found them. Because the rock wouldn't let her find them unless she's part of this. And then he looks at the rock and in a very scary realization, he says, oh, this isn't about her. This is about me. Mm. What? Excuse me? Uh, all I know is I would really like to be away from this man. Yeah, I'm gonna, I don't care if the grass is moving. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna start running because I'm yeah. good, buddy. Like, no, no. Yeah. So Ross says, looking for the hard sell, I'm game. He's, he's like, he's ready to do something. So Travis attacks him out of nowhere. Good. And like tackles him to the ground and is like telling, telling Becky and Cal, like, leave, go, like, go. Mm -hmm. Ross uh, gets the upper hand and again is, is talking about how like, he just needs to touch the rock. He just needs redemption. Everything will be good. (laughs) <laughs> Once he touches the rock and then dislocates, uh, dislocates Travis's shoulder ah, beautiful. while like sitting on top of him. Mm, so then totally. Natalie tries to take the opportunity to run away with Tobin. Tobin manages to get by and grow and, and get to the other group. But, but, but Ross grabs Natalie oh, no. and like, and grabs her head and it's like holding her head and Tobin is freaking the fuck out. And he looks at Tobin and in like a weirdly fatherly voice goes, no, 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 it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's only flesh and flesh is grass. And then he straight up crushes Natalie's skull between his bare hands. Oh my god. What the fuck? So he looks at his son and says, don't worry, it's only flesh and flesh is grass. And then murders the mother right in front of their son. In a horrifically graphic, blood splattering way. Jesus Christ. Everyone is terrified because what the fuck? I mean, uh, logic. They've 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 seen dead bodies at this point, but this is the first murder, straight right. up murder they have witnessed. Yeah. Um, and now they're all running for it, and Ross is like reveling in the strength he just did because imagine the amount of force you have to do to literally crush a human skull. Right, yeah, that's like... Like, he had, he had his hands on either side of her head and crushed them together. There's no way. I don't feel like that's How? humanly possible. Right. So Ross is, like, accepting this, like, strength he was just blessed with. Mm. And then he starts going after the group, and he says, Save your breath, kids. You can't run from redemption. I'm still gonna run. I'm terrified. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I am too, but I'm still gonna run. All of a sudden, they stumble across a very much alive Freddy. Uh, what? Mm-hmm. And they follow him through the grass, and Freddy leads them to the abandoned bully alley- bowling alley. What? Freddy was- they all met at Freddy's dead body. I'm confused. Right. And then they come across an alive one. I hate time-changing movies, dude. Confuses the fuck out of me. I can barely tell time as it is, dude. <laughs> and then you're gonna throw in some time changing fucking movies at me. I thought it was fantastic. I I like time loops. I think they're fascinating. 
what was that what was that other one the other time loop movie called was it looper or something like that yeah that movie confused the fuck out of me it's <laughs> like time loops they just they're so hard to follow for my brain like i just i don't I, know it just shows how we're different i love them i think they're so true. fascinating very true definitely shows how different we are yeah so they run inside the abandoned bowling alley. Uh, Cal and Travis block the door with like an old jukebox esque machine. Mm. Um, like, I'm con I'm confused. They're clearly not in a town, right? So why is because there just all- a random bowling alley and a church? And, and the bowling church. alley still has like bowling shoes and and shit in it, and the it- gas station for that matter. Yeah, it- none of it makes sense. So here, I don't like. Why are these things here? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Other than the only thing I can think of is that it was a town before, right? And then the the rock grew the grass field further and, and like absorbed over, the town. Yeah, overtook the town. That's possible. But the only two buildings we see are the bowling alley and the church. Hmm. And while the bowling alley is technically in the field, the church is not. Right, the church is off the side of the road. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. So Travis has Cal reset his shoulder because it was dislocated. Um, and then Tobin starts saying that his dad is right. We are all grass. We keep dying and coming back to life like Freddie did. I mean, he's not wrong. He's technically correct. <laughs> so Cal is a hopeless pessimist. <laughs> and course. Tox is basically saying, like, they're, as far as he can tell, there's no way for them to make it out of this situation, and what are they going to do? They're going to die here, and all of this stuff. That's what I'd be saying. I mean, shit, you fucking, you're boarding yourself up in a goddamn abandoned bowling alley in the middle of a grass field, and the grass is <laughs> killing people and bringing people back to life and changing the time. Like, I'd probably be in that boat, too. I'd probably be like, we sure as hell ain't getting out of here. We just, I don't know what's going to happen. That's fair. <laughs> Um, and now Cal drops the bomb that Travis wanted, that Travis apparently abandoned Becky Mm. and wanted her to abort the baby. Ah, I see. Yeah. And so Cal is talking, like, he's like, I don't know why you trust this asshole and all of this stuff, just like going off. And Becky basically stops him and is like, I... I don't, I don't need you to protect me like this. I don't need brotherly love right now. What I need is food, water, and sleep. You want to protect me? Protect me that way. Right, yeah. I don't need emotional protection right now. This is the least of our problem. For real. Which, again, good on Becky for like being like, shut the fuck up. We got no, bigger honestly. issues, dude. Yeah. Um, Travis apologizes, you know. He's like, no, Cal, Cal is right. I was an asshole, and I had you, and I let you go, and I shouldn't have done or said the things that I did, and I'm so sorry. But then he says, Cal wouldn't like me no matter what I did. Even before all of this happened, he didn't like me. He's never going to like me because no one can, no one is good enough for his sister. And Cal goes, someone with a high school degree would be a good start. Oh, man. And Travis calls Cal out. And says, what about you playing hubby to your sister? What, you want to fuck Becky? Oh, I mean, in retrospect, they did look like a couple. I, that's what I said. To be honest, 
I said in the beginning, you couldn't be sure of their relationship. True. And I understand, like, a family bond, but I do agree that Cal takes it kind of far sometimes. Uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, but, you know, that immediately starts a fight between them. Of course it does. Uh, which then gets interrupted by Ross trying to beat the doors in mm. and literally, like, being, like, hitting the door so hard the whole jukebox is moving. Uh. And he's he's calling out to them again, like, you can't run from redemption and shit like that. So they end up running up to the roof. And um, it's not important, but I just want to note that there's a random fucking couch up there. Why is there a couch on the roof? I what don't the fuck? know. I don't know. I just, I noticed it and I was like, that's weird. Yeah, that what? is weird. <laughs> so they close the, like, hatch, the roof hatch, and they... They, like, lock it by putting, like, a pole through the handles and shit like that. Mm -hmm. Travis says, like, it'll take a sledgehammer to get through that. There's no way he's getting through that. And Cal's like, are you sure about that? Did you not witness the feat of strength we saw, like, I mean, man's just crushed a fucking human skull between his fingers, like. Yeah. Yeah. So then Cal and Travis start talking about how, like, wait, we drove past this building. Like, this building is visible from the road. Right. Like, we have to be close to the road. So they they go to the edge of the building and they see the road, but they recognize like they can't go through their gas again or they're just going to get turned around and transported somewhere else. Right. All of a sudden, Freddy pops up in the parking lot like, hello, <laughs> Freddy. And <laughs> Cal, Cal goes, that dog gives me the fucking creeps. Only to watch Freddy disappear behind a clump of grass. Uh, yeah. So he like goes behind a clump of grass and is just gone. Right. Like, no. So Travis is like, the fuck? And he climbs up higher to see farther, and he actually sees Freddy on the road. Oh. And that's when he realizes, kind of like you were saying about Shang-Chi, there's holes. Yeah. There are holes they can go through that get them to the places they need to be. They just don't know where they are. Right. But Freddy just showed them a hole to get back to the road. Interesting. So they're like, that's where we need to go. Right. So then, this is the part that Becky had called herself to warn her about. But she Mm, doesn't know it. I see. Travis slips and falls forward and Cal catches him by the shirt. Mm -hmm. But then a bunch of whispers start up and he lets Travis go to fall off the building and presumably to his death. Oh my gosh. He, Cal turns around to see that Tobin just watched him do this. And he tries to go like, Tobin, it's not what you think. And Tobin runs the fuck away because... Wow, every every adult around him is turning into a murderer. Right, for real though. Like, Jesus Christ. He watched his dad kill his mom. He watched Cal kill Travis. Like Travis. the fuck is yeah. going on, bro? Yep. Um and then after Tobin runs away, Cal watches as Ross literally just climbs up the literal side of the building. What are we, Spider Man now? The fuck? I I, I don't did he get bit by a spider in these grass fields? I mean, I know insects are alive. Jesus. Like, I don't know. And and fucking Ross is like, there are holes everywhere, Cal. You can't run from me. And I was like, bro. Jesus Christ. So uh, they, they go back inside and Cal is screaming at Becky like, we got to get out of here. We got to get out of here. And she's like, where's Travis? And he's like, he's coming. And I was like, fucking liar. You're you an ass. ass. So, and that's also, again, when Ross is shouting, like, life's full of holes, Cal. Right. <laughs> like, like, what the fuck? Um, they get outside the building, and Tobin just takes off running into the 
to the grass. Logical. To be fair, at this point, he's better off in the grass than with them. For real, though. Like, damn. Becky is like, dude, tra- where's Travis? Where's Travis? And Cal is trying to force her through the, like, hole to lead onto the road. Mm-hmm. And he's like, as your brother, I'm telling you to forget about that asshole. And something, like, clicks for Becky. I don't know if she remembered the phone call or what, but she mm-hmm. goes, you fucking did something, didn't you? Mm-hmm. And Cal tries to plead with her and she just wants away from him. And so she goes away from the hole that would have led her to the road and goes back into the grass. Oh my gosh, girl. Yeah. So Ross grabs Cal before he can follow Becky out and uh, spits some truth about how Cal is scared that with the Becky, or (laughs) the Becky, (laughs) with the baby, Becky and Travis would be closer than ever and he'd get left out. Mm. And that's kind of why, like, he's, like, fighting so hard against all of this and whatever. And uh, Ross is like, luckily, you don't have to deal with that because you're never leaving. (laughs) So. (laughs) Don't don't stress about it now because you're stuck here, man. Right. So Cal takes off running, quickly followed by Ross, who catches Cal very quickly. Like, teleports and just, like, catches him. And terrifies him with the truth that, uh, I know you're thinking that if you had gone left or if you had gone right or if you had just kept running, you would have survived. But at this crossroads of trails, no matter which way you go, Cal, it was going to end with me. Damn. And then Cal looks to his right and sees his own decomposing body. Oh my gosh. That's not terrifying at all. Very terrifying. He screams. Of course. Because he's terrified. And Ross strangles him to death. Mm, Love it. And as Ross is strangling him to death, we're panning out. And we see multiple of Cal's bodies all dead in a row in multiple different stages of decomposition. (laughs) Showing that Ross didn't lie. Every time Cal has come running through here, he has met death with Ross. Yep. But this is also showing you, I think there's at least five bodies. Right. So there's been at least six, maybe seven of these cir- of the circle already happening. Right. Weird. But it also shows that, like, like, even though they're the same people, the iterations are somehow different people because they can be dead and alive at the same time. Right, yeah. It's like two different timelines. Yeah. So... Becky is looking around for Travis, who um, we find is actually miraculously alive. Oh. Very injured, but alive. He fell on, like, a pile of tires. Hmm. Okay. Um, he, so Travis then goes into the grass searching for Becky, and she is, like, collapsed on the ground in pain. Of course. Travis says, like, or Becky asks, like, what happened and with Cal, and Travis says, like, I think your brother likes you a little bit too much. (laughs) But he says that he doesn't blame Cal and says that um, it's his own fault, that he's the one that fucked this up. And for what it's worth, he's glad that she kept Ginny. Ah. Which is very sweet. It is very sweet. Becky says, like, "I, I I didn't ever tell you this, but I was actually going to give her up. I got scared and I was worried that I couldn't be a mom. And that's actually why we were going to San Diego. There's a family up there I was going to give her to. Oh, wow. Yeah. Damn. I know. It's rough, right? 
I should have thought, like, if you never showed hmm. up to give that family the baby, why wouldn't that family call the cops and be like, hey, this person disappeared? Well, that, no, that's, that's why Travis did come after them, because they uh, never, uh, they never made it to San Diego. I see, I see, I see. Yeah. Makes sense. So, Travis is talking about, like, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get us out of here. Our baby deserves to live. Which is like, oh, God. Yeah. And, and, um, Becky's, Becky's laying on the ground and she's like, she's a strong one. She's just kicking away. Right. I know she can make it. And then they both say that they just wish they could touch hands. Right. And they both reach out their hands and they're showing their hands going through the grass. And you think that they're going to touch hands. Right. But instead, Ross found Becky. Oh, no. Yeah. It's great. I hate when movies do that, dude. I hate when they pull, like, a sweet moment and then they just fucking ruin it. That's some shit. (laughs) So... Ross laments how this is actually the first spot he ever tussled with Natalie with, to which we see the fanny pack and stuff from earlier. Mm. See, that was I, that was what I was thinking. The fanny pack from earlier was from I was like, that might be Natalie's. Yep. He bear hugs, like he like bear hugs her, so she's facing him but can't really move. Mm-hmm. And in the most creepy tone of voice, with the grin to match. Asks if she wants to touch the rock, darling. It's the way he says darling. It fucks me up. I don't know why. It's so terrifying. He then takes it worse. Oh, God. It gets worse? (laughs) Yeah. He goes, you want to lay on it naked? You want to feel me in you beneath the pinwheel stars as the grass says our names? Poetry, huh? Blood is nice, but tears are better for an old thirsty rock like that. Has to be quick. We can't do it in front of the kid. Jesus Christ, what the fuck? He's like lowering her to the ground while saying this. No, I'm good. The fuck? Yeah, like out of fucking nowhere. Like what? No. Like what? No. Uh, Why did this turn sexual all of a sudden? Right, for real. Why? Why Why are tears better for this rock? Like what? It's just... It, like, went to 6,000 real fucking quick, and we literally watched him murder his wife. Yeah, for real. What the fuck? So, luckily, if you remember me mentioning that one of the things that fell out of the fanny pack was a pair of scissors. Yeah. So she just grabs that and quick stabs him in the eye. There you go. Smart. (laughs) And she gets away. And it's, again, like... It's a very confusing part because it, again, keeps, like, it's, like, it's real, but it's also her vision of what's happening. Mm-hmm. So, prepare for that. Okay. <laughs> so, there's, like, slow-mo torrential downpour. It's all of a sudden just raining. Mm-hmm. She, We see her slow-mo running, and then she discovers she can see the grass people in real time. Who are, like, surrounding her and chanting. Interesting. She hits one of them in the face. But all it does is create, like, a hole in the grass. Like, a spirally black hole in the grass. Weird. And she freaks out. I mean, I would too. What the fuck? So then it shows the grass people lifting her up and carrying her. 
but they do an overhead shot of it where it just looks like the grass is pulsating and carrying her. Not people. It looks like the grass, Hmm. but it's people. Are these all the people that have died in there? We don't know. Hmm. I, what I choose to believe is because this rock was obviously the center of a religion at some point. Right. I wonder if all of the grass people are people who touched the rock and then just never left. Kind of like Ross. But like, like way after the fact. Right. So she gets carried through the pulsating field of, of grass and gets very gently put on the ground in front of the rock. And again, they do that like, like sensory deprivation level of silence. Weird. And then she realizes that she's by the rock and she's terrified and she's in pain so much pain and she's screaming for travis and then this is when we see her make the call to herself ah she pulls out her phone and calls herself talking about don't leave cal with travis don't leave him don't let him get her all of this stuff right so but then so so but then that's interesting right because again that's showing that somehow within the grass you are in the future in the past all at once Right. Like, it's a convergence of time. Yeah, that's so creepy and so weird. Yes. So, then, she starts, like, going through labor, even though it is not time for a baby. Right, for sure not time for a baby. But in the flashes between seeing her preparing for labor and screaming in pain and stuff, we are seeing prophesized etching on the rock of the grass people holding up a pregnant woman, the woman giving birth, and then an etching of what looks like the child being speared with a piece of grass. Oh my gosh. It's a lot. <laughs> um, and then again, it's like, it, it's showing that they're connected somehow. Right. Because as she like contracts and breathes, the ground like breathes and then breaks apart, like right next to her weird and the ground opens up to show like in it's confusing the rock has roots like a tree does Mm -hmm. but it's a rock but the roots are a mangled pile of screaming bodies that are all reaching out for her love it i don't know if that's all of the souls that have been sacrificed here or what that's what it seems like. There's a lot of bodies, though. Like, a lot. <laughs> and then we go through, like, a just another barrage of just, like, images and the swirly bloody sky and all of this stuff and, and like, the crows and, like, and then a, a mm-hmm. final scream and then it goes black and silent. Now the rain has stopped. Becky starts waking up. She's asking about her baby and suddenly there is a shirtless cow there I thought cow died right squeezing like rainwater out of a rag to like give her water so she asks about the baby again and he says he has the baby and we don't never really see it we see a very blurry shot of it but it doesn't it looks it does not look like a baby right it it looks not correct i don't know how to explain it other than it almost looks like a like a uh, the head looks like it's made of vegetables like it doesn't look right weird right 
So he's like, I have the baby. Look at you, just our perfect, like, Mother Mary. Look at this baby, baked just right. Like, I wonder I wonder when the wise men will get here, and I wonder what gifts we're going to get. What the fuck? I don't know. When do we transform back to biblical times, the hell? And then she drifts out to black again. And when she drifts back in, Cal is saying a different dirty limerick. Than the one that was originally said. Mm-hmm. And is feeding Becky something. And she asks what she's eating. And mm-hmm. he says, it's just grass. Just grass and seeds and so on. And then we see blood drip into a pool of water next to her. Hmm. He's feeding her her own baby. Oh my god. Yeah. Why? What the fuck? And she's eating it without... Like, she's not really there. Like, she's not. Right. She's just, like, conscious. Like, and, and it, like, he's feeding her. And it's it's still Cal. And he's saying, like, you're such a good girl. You ate it all. Cows do it all the time. It's good for you. It's good for your soul. No. Yeah. And she, you can see blood kind of on the side of her mouth. And she's, like... So they keep it all really blurry. So like mm. when he was feeding her, you couldn't see what he was feeding her, but you saw him like ripping a bloody something apart and feeding it to her. Mm. And she goes, "It tastes like." And then she like looks over and gags because she sees the like bloody rags next to her, and she realizes what just happened. Yeah. And Cal suddenly transitions into Ross, who leans in and says taste like you that's no <laughs> no it's just no this movie's scary dude <laughs> wasn't this adapted from a stephen king novel um yes a a short novella by stephen king and his son actually that makes a lot more sense <laughs> just no <laughs> it is terrifying though we cut away from that. <laughs> of course. Um, to Travis, still attempting to find Becky. And he does end up at the rock and finds her on the ground asking about her baby with blood still on her mouth. Oh, no. Travis, like, cries over her and over the loss of their child. Uh, he doesn't know what happened. Right. Because there's, like, not really evidence of it. Right. But Becky knows. And it's not good. Um, Tobin pops up all of a sudden and says, like, my dad killed the baby. I know he did. I found Cal dead, too. It's never going to stop. We're just going to keep dying over and over and over again. Yeah. So, like, good on this eight-year-old for figuring out that they're in a time loop. (laughs) Right, for real, though. Like. So. (laughs) Why did it take the eight-year-old telling you that, though? I don't (laughs) know. Come on, now. Travis, the motherfucking G. I love him so much. He, like, he he grabs Tobin and he says, I won't let him hurt you. And good. Toby says, he's watching us right now. Doesn't surprise me. Travis is pissed and he taunts Ross and he's saying, why are you hiding? Don't fucking hide if you want to finish us off. Here we are. Don't you see us? Let's and then go. Ross appears behind him and just fucking punches Travis and knocks him to the ground. Damn. And he says, no, I, I don't see because your honey took out my eye. But that's all right. Sight is deceiving anyway. I don't need that here. Damn. 
And then he tries to, he tries to drown Travis in the mud. Like, puts him face down in the mud and tries to drown him in the puddles of water. Uh, with I mean, Tobin still watching. Of course. So, Ross is talking about, like, like, it's unfortunate that you chose this path and you refused redemption because you needed redemption the most. And maybe next time you'll choose redemption. So he knows he's putting him in a time loop. Yeah. Yeah. Because Ross is the one that's killed all all of the people who are dead. Right. Yeah. Has been Ross. But we haven't seen any extra Ross bodies. So I don't right. understand that part. True. That doesn't make sense to me. So maybe shortly after him and his family ran in, he found the rock and just gave into it. And that's why we don't see any of his bodies because he's just doing the rock's bidding. But then you would think that you would see multiple Rosses running around. Not necessarily because you don't see multiple Beckys running around. You just see her dead body and her alive body. You also don't see multiple cows or... Right, but but then that's confusing to me because we see that the that the bodies of the past iterations exist. Right. You're not So wrong. so is Ross reabsorbing his past iterations by doing the Rock's bidding? It's possible or he doesn't have any past iterations because But he has to because he was already in the woods when his family reappeared to go into the woods again. Mm. I have no idea. It's, uh, that's a little confusing. I do assume that it has to do something with him having touched the rock. Because right. also, ever since Tobin re-entered the woods, we have not seen grimy Tobin since. Right, The so one that touched the rock. Yeah. Something about Travis coming is... Something about Travis changed the cycle, one. Right. And two, touching the rock and then the, and then the next iteration starting... I feel maybe they're getting absorbed into the rock because we just never see grimy Tobin again. Maybe. So it's, it's definitely complicated and confusing. Um, Travis then knocks Ross over and attempts to escape when Ross pulls a whole ass like femur out of the mud and fucking stabs Travis with it. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Why? Damn. <laughs> Because maybe next time. <laughs> Seems a little excessive. Jesus Christ. No, Jesus. Ross grabs Tobin and says, it's your turn, and attempts to force him to touch the rock. No, I'm good. And he says that he needs to touch it because the grass needs them more than anything, more than rain. What does the grass need you for? What The grass can't grow without rain. I don't know. All we know is that according to the rock... And the rock's disciples, flesh is grass. Grass is flesh. Interesting. And apparently the grass needs more flesh, question mark? And that's why it needs them more than anything? Hmm. Unsure. Right when Tobin, again, is like milliseconds from touching the rock, Becky flies in out of fucking nowhere and takes out his other eye with her necklace. There you go. And then she falls to the ground again. Goodbye, Becky. Travis uses this to his advantage and just grabs Ross and starts beating his head into the stone. Damn. But even though Ross is blind, he still gets, like, 
he still like knocks Travis back over. So then Travis rips up a bunch of grass stalks and just strangles Ross with it. All right. Using the grass stalks like a like a garrote. Right. Garot. That's one way to do it. And he, and Travis again, motherfucking G, he goes, "I'm not coming back here and neither are you." Good. Um while he's strangling while he's strangling Ross out, we pan over to see Becky is officially dead, eyes open and all. Oh, love it. Tobin is watching the death of his dad while the grass sways and all the chants are around them. Ah, yes. Uh, Ross dies, finally. <laughs> mm, beautiful. Travis confirms Becky's death and um, very upset about it, of course. Of course. I mean, lost his kid and his wife in the same day. Yeah, rough. Rough, rough times. times, bro. Um, so he looks at the stone and starts heading towards it. And Tobin tries to stop him. Mm-hmm. He says, if you touch it, you'll never leave. Right. And Travis doesn't listen and touches it. Because I think at this point, Travis decided, for the good of discontinuing the cycle. Right. Like, I need to touch this stone. I need to get us out of here. I need to stop this. Of course. So, he absorbs the knowledge of the grass, which envelops his organs. Like, we see it. And then we also see that, like, um, we see, like, the, like, a top-down shot of the field and, like, orange light lights up all of these paths through it. Mm. So now he sees the paths through the field. Right. The real ones. So Tobin, poor, poor little boy, has seen so much. <laughs> and now he's frightened of Travis because when his dad touched the rock, he turned into a killer. Right. And a very scary man. So he's scared of Travis. Of course, rightfully so. Very much so. But Travis goes up to him and says, follow me. And then it just cuts to them sprinting through the grass. All of a sudden they stop. Travis grabs Tobin's arm and says, like, I can no longer leave, but you don't belong here. And neither does Becky. And he gives Tobin the necklace that she used Mm. and gives gives it to to Tobin and says like make sure they do not come back in here. Right. And then he just picks Tobin up and drops him down and when he drops him down he is inside the church. Whoa. What the fuck? Yes. He is not only inside the church he is in a room that is behind the locked locked church door. Interesting. Yes. And with a final whisper, like, and at first Tobin sees the grass around him, and then with a final whisper from Travis of don't let them in, Tobin realizes he's in the church. Weird. So he leaves the church and is freaked the hell out because of course he is. Right. And he finds himself at the moment where he himself is calling out for help from the grass and Pecky and Cal are pulled off to the side of the road where she vomited. Mm. Oh my gosh. So th- right right before they're about to go into the grass, Tobin runs up after them and says, don't go in there, don't go in, don't listen to him, just get in the car and leave. Like, we gotta leave. Yeah. And they're like, w- we just heard you in the grass, what, what the hell is going on? Because even as he runs up saying, like, don't go in there, you can hear other Tobin screaming. Right. For help. And, like, they're 
like super confused they're like what the fuck how are you in both places they're asking where his parents are and like what's going on and he says it doesn't matter we need to leave we need to leave now right so cal is like but that kid needs help like and he's right here so cal is about to walk into the grass and tobin is like pleading with becky he's like please don't let him in because he'll go in and then you'll go in and you'll never get out and we can't do this and then he gives her the bloody necklace travis handed him Mm-hmm. And out of her pocket, she pulls out the fresh one to realize it's definitely the same necklace. Yeah. And she asked Tobin, where did he get it? And he says, Travis. Travis gave it to me. Which, unless the kid is from the future right. or has some insider knowledge, there's no way he would know who the fuck Travis is. Yeah. None. So, obviously, that's pretty decent proof that something's going on and right. she should listen. So she stops Cal right before he enters the grass, brings him back over, shows Cal the necklace and says, and says, the kid says he got it from Travis. And Cal's like, what the fuck? Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. And she says, we got to leave now. Something's not right about the situation. Yeah. And he's like, well, what about the kid? And she, who's still like, Tobin is still out in the, in the grass screaming, don't leave. Come help me. Come find me. Yeah. And she focuses on the swaying grass and feels the pain in, like, her pregnancy. And she's like, no, we gotta leave. Something's not right here. It feels so bad because they get in the car and the last thing you hear is just, like, Tobin out in the grass pitifully, like, screaming, don't leave me. Yeah. And it's so heartbreaking because you know, like, what's gonna happen in there. But you know that they can't keep the cycle going. Right. So they get back in the van and she says, let's, let's go to Topeka and bring him to the police. Oh, so they're in Kansas. Y- yeah. They're That's near logical. Kansas, at least. That's logical. Kansas is full of fields. It's true. Yeah, Kansas, is, <laughs> Kansas is nothing but fields. I lived in Kansas. I was born in Kansas. Trust me. I know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and he says, but wait, like Topeka's behind us. And she's like. He's like, I thought we said that we were going to keep going. And she says, she says, no, I don't want to go to San Diego anymore. I never should have left. And he's like, well, what about the family in San Diego? And she looks down and like caresses her pregnant stomach. And she goes, I have a family now. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So they pull a Yui and they drive away. And we pan back to Travis stuck in the grass, celebrating that the cycle is finally over. And then he just passes out and lays down in the grass. Uh, I'm assuming he probably dies. Right. I was he, like, he pro- he's very like he's injured dead. at this point. Right. Yeah. He's probably dead. He fell off a roof or some shit, right? <laughs> he fell off a roof. He gets stabbed by a femur. Right. Like, like <laughs> poor guy's probably dead. Arm in the dislocated. Water. He's been hit so many times. Like, there's no way. Right. And then they just, like, pan out and that's the end end of the movie hmm. and so my thinking is okay so since the the cycle is technically over there should then be an alive travis out in the world right just as there should be an alive ross natalie and tobin since they never come after travis who never came after becky and cal because they never went missing right but they don't confirm this for us. Damn. We also don't know what happened to this new Tobin right. that 
what when, is is from some past iteration that is now in the future or past. Right. I need answers. I, I do too. That. I was like, is there? Is does she go back home and Travis is just gone? What about Tobin? What about right. his family? Like, are they yeah. just dead? Like, yeah. I was like, this new Tobin that is from the past and the future at the same time, and like, by all technicality, since the cycle is over, this current because this current cycle didn't start because Becky and Cal didn't go missing. Right. So if Becky, so and Travis Cal couldn't missing, come. Travis couldn't come. Therefore, the other family. Well. The other family still could have gotten lost in there because didn't they go after their dog, not after Travis? They, they, but, but Freddie went in there because Travis was yelling out in the corn. Uh, okay. That, I or think in the field. For some reason, I think I just forgot about that part. But in my right. head, I was thinking that Freddie went into the field and then Tobin followed Freddie, which then parents followed Tobin. Right, that is what happened, but it started because Travis was in the field screaming for Tobin. Mm-hmm. So, by all accounts, this most current cycle... Should stop. Should stop. Yeah. And everyone should technically be alive because the events following don't happen. Right. But it does leave this problem of, like, what about the previous iterations? What about this Tobin that's from a previous iteration that is now right. just out in the world? And, like, all of this stuff. And I was like, by all technicalities, this Tobin should technically disappear because the cycle stopped. Right. But since he's from a previous cycle, what does that mean for, like, the repercussions of this world? The timeline's fucked up. Right. Because we don't know if this previous cycle was in the past. Right. Or if he got dropped out into the past to prevent... The initial cycle from ever start like we don't know well because if he got dropped into the past to to stop the init well because you don't even know what the initial cycle is and i think that's what the the time yeah. movies get confusing is that point because you have you have no idea what the initial part of the cycle is because you think right he stopped he stopped becky and cal from going in so oh initial part of the cycle okay but becky and cal went in because tobin was screaming in there mm-hmm. okay well tobin and his family were only in there because uh Travis. Travis was calling for Tobin, and mm-hmm. Travis was only in there looking for Becky and Cow. So like, there's no. It's almost like it's almost like the argument of which came first, the chicken or the egg. Yeah. That's annoying. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> I said I normally I hate plot holes. I don't like unanswered questions, but I genuinely really like this movie. I know that there's a lot of things that don't make sense, right? And kind of just have to be washed away with the fact that like. It's a time loop and that's allowing dead versions and live versions to live at the same time and feed the rock that is somehow a supernatural entity that manages to trap everyone in the grass. Like, yes, there are a lot of unanswered questions, but they weirdly enough don't upset me because the entire situation we are in is so like it's so much fiction that I can allow those plot holes to exist. So the reason that like the reason that you notice that I get pissed off a lot at movies is because they are somehow I don't like when they are probable but then have plot holes. Right. Either it all needs to be completely improbable or it needs to be all plausible. I don't like when it's half and half. I see what you're saying. So this movie this movie doesn't anger me because the whole situation 
is improbable. It wouldn't right. happen. Yeah. So therefore, these plot holes I, or or these unanswered questions are okay because it's a it's a it's a universe that isn't real for us, and we mm. have no idea how it works. Yeah. I versus something like Hell House, right? Which is supposed to be like in just like present life and supposed to be probable, but then has a lot of weird unanswered questions. True. I see what you're saying. So that's why I still really enjoy this movie. That's why I can give it a little bit of hand waving because it's a situation that's not real and isn't probably going to ever be real. Right. Yeah. So for me, I give this a solid eight out of 10. I, every time I watch this movie, I get the same fucking chills, the same shock at the reveals. Like I know what's coming and it still gets me every time I like, every time I finish this movie, I just have like goosebumps every death. Like, it feels like the first time every time I rewatch this movie. It's because it's so trippy. You forget yeah. some of the stuff that happens and then you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, it's great. I love it. I genuinely really enjoy this movie. It sounds like a really good movie. I'm excited to watch it. Yeah. Uh, I don't have a kill count because we don't know how many iterations have come and gone and who out of those iterations died and didn't die. So... So, I mean, I guess technically, if you think about the ones that did die within the storyline, there was Natalie, Ross, Cal, at least once, Becky, at least once. Well, so technically, we watched Becky die twice. True. We watched Cal die once, but we also saw, like, six other Cal bodies. Right. Um, I mean, I was just going based on solely who we know at least died once. No, no, I I know, but I'm going by, like, what we saw. Like, actually yeah. saw. And it, it's just, there's a lot. Because <laughs> we assume that, yes, we saw Natalie die once, but we know she must have died another time by the first tussle in right. everything that's there. So it's a lot. I don't, there's a lot of death. I, don't, I, can't, I can't confirm how many, but there's a lot. At least four characters die at least once. Yes, and not to mention the, like, massive writhing bodies that are, like, under the rock nourishing it. Also true. So, <laughs> a lot of death. <laughs> yeah. And that is also why I put in the trigger warning of, like, technically cannibalism, because I don't actually know if she ate her baby or not, but, like, they made it seem that right. way. So, <laughs> it's always better to put it in there than not put it in there and yeah. someone get mad. It- it's definitely a lot. <laughs> definitely <laughs> this is going to be an interesting movie to watch. Oh, it's it's such a good time, even though it is confusing and trippy as hell. <laughs> it's such a good time. <laughs> I'm excited. All right. And then, like you said, we are doing the ritual next, correct? Yes, we're going to do the ritual next week. Um, I think it is. It's I've watched it already, but it's a really good movie. There's a lot that happens. So I'm going to try and like condense down as much as I can because there is a ton of shit that happens. So we shall see what next week's episodes holds for us. Are you sure as much happens as what happened in this movie? Yeah. I was oh, thinking damn. about it. Well, because you said this movie's what, like an hour and a half? Yeah. So is the ritual. It's an hour and a half long. And a lot happens in that movie too. Like I was telling you, it took me a long time to write my notes for it because there's just so much that happens in so little time. Like I felt myself trying to write these notes and I'd pause the movie every like every minute probably. Like (laughs) 
it was, and I'd have to go back several times in a row just to understand like what I had written about previously. And it, oh, there's so much that happens. So I'm just, I'm going to have to go through it and like <laughs> compress it down because, <laughs> because there's a lot is, and it's like this movie too. Like it's, there's a lot that happens. It's so yeah. crazy. Mm. All right. Well. That was this episode, and next episode we'll have the ritual, and we'll have Janet here say what, how she feels about this movie. I hope she enjoys it, too, honestly. It's like, it's like, since she's been on the podcast, it's one of the first movies I've watched that I've said I've liked. <laughs> it's such a true statement. I felt bad. Every time I picked a movie, I was like, she's like, hey, it wasn't my favorite, and I'm like, Ugh. Yeah, but it has nothing to do with Janet. I'm just really critical. (laughs) And now that I've explained to you why, right? Like that's why your movies bother me because how are they plausible and implausible at the same time? Hate that needs to be one or the other. (laughs) True, I feel it. I feel it. All right, everybody. Well, if you would like, you can email us at nafgpod at gmail dot com, Twitter at nafgpod, Instagram at not a final girl pod, TikTok at nafgpod. We each have our own individual Twitches. Janet is DragonQueen124, and I am Dempsey underscore May. Come check us out there. And we hope that you guys have a great week and weekend and everything in between. Yeah, have a great week, great weekend. Happy New Year. I don't, I feel like we released said our episode. said that like 30 times. <laughs> well, we released our episode like on the New Year, so I just wanted to make sure I said it one more time because it's, <laughs> it's been a few weeks since we've recorded and released an episode. So like, Happy New Year. Hope your New Year's going somewhat decent. Um, but yeah, I'm, I like being here, so I'm having a good time. <laughs> okay. Adios, ghost gang. I hope you guys have a great day. Farewell, ghosters. Never see you again never saw her again because guess what we always die first (laughs) (laughs) there once was a guy named mcsweeney who spilled some gin on his weenie just to be cool he added vermouth and flipped his girl a martini oh that's charming there once was a woman named jill who swallowed an exploding pill they found her vagina in north carolina ah stop stop i overshot you somehow